welcome to episode 55 of the Caffeine Crew cast of pods, Body Positivity in Geekdom. I am your host, Rob. Joining me tonight is Bill. Hello. Jess. Greetings. Kat. Hi. Jada. Salutations. Aaron. Aloha. Aloha. <laughs> so, um, as I mentioned, tonight's episode is on body positivity. But before we get into that, uh, the question for everybody tonight is this. Would you rather be animated in the cartoon style of the 1980s or 90s era or from modern day? And the reason we were talking about that is 80s, 90s uh, was very kind of like... The He-Man-esque, uh, really over-the-top done versions of the X-Men in the spandex-clad uniforms, all these pieces. Versus now, where you, where you think of Shira, you know, the way that My Little Pony, Adventure Time, all these things look so dramatically different and stylized, but not sexualized. Um, so I'm going to start tonight with Jada. I think I would actually prefer to be animated in nowadays modern style, just because I feel like... Um, what I grew up watching in the 80s and 90s as far as animation was very cookie cutter, and I like a more, more diverse presentation of humanity. Cool. Bill. Oh, God. I wasn't ready for this. Um, <laughs> I guess I, I guess for animation, like American animation, I'd say modern day. Um, if I were to look at Japanese animation, I'd probably go back with the 80s and 90s because I think they were a little bit cleaner back then. Uh, they just had a warmer feel. Um, mm -hmm. but again, totally different culture as well. So Aaron, I would choose one style from the nineties. That would be the Batman, the animated series. Oh, the noir style. that's yeah, a good one. Just because that style is just pretty much amazing. But otherwise modern day, because I just like the animation style in general. Nothing ever quite looked like that ever again. No, it is that's unique true. to that. It is just unique. Yeah. There's nothing. It really isn't nineties, but I'm stealing it because it came out then. Okay. Um, you know what? I'll go with 80s and 90s, but specifically the Care Bears. They're adorable. <laughs> Jess. I would pick modern day cartoons. I feel like a lot of the cartoons that I grew up with when in the 90s had very angular character designs, whereas now things are softer. And since I am yeah. softer and squishy, I would probably go with that one. Cool. Uh, for me, I, you know what? I'm going to say uh, I'm going to go modern and a very specific one. I'm going to go Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Nice. Because that is it is such like a it good is, one. It is a comic book come to life, like in all of the great best ways. So I, was, I would love to be able to have that visual look that would rock. So, but as we were talking about these things, um, we have to definitely def like, you know, define body positivity. So Jada, will you do that for us? I would love to. Um, so what does body positivity mean? It means the inclusion and acceptance of all body types is beautiful, including gender identities, orientations, ethnicities, etc., and what we consider attractive in mainstream media. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So why don't we kick off the way that we usually start our conversations, which is kind of going back to our childhoods. So growing up, was uh, did anybody here have a difficult time being comfortable in their own skins as far as... I'm, you know, I know a lot of us here at this table, and I'm just going to get this out of the way, have dealt with body positivity issues in some place in our life, in some way, shape, or form. Um, so kind of to expand upon that, though, um, you know, what was it like being a part of your geek community or your social circle growing up? Did you see any kind of negativity commonly with body positivity amongst your peers and friends? And, you know, um, did you struggle with it personally or defend anybody being picked on for that same reason? So there's a lot to unpack here. Um, Jada, why don't you kick us I'll, off? I'll go ahead and kick you off here. So um, I know for myself, I was always more of the chubby kids. So um, I definitely was not really comfortable in my own skin, probably until my like college years growing up. Also, I was in a lot of performance-based activities. So 
you know, you would get bullied for being the chubby kid in spandex or, you know, that you get kind of put in the back row for being the chubby girl on the dance recital or whatever. Um, and, you know, my whole life I would always be told, oh, you have such a pretty face, but you have such a pretty face, but, oh, you're so talented, but, and I always felt like a lot of aspects of my size held me back. Um, and that's actually a big reason why I don't really do a lot of performance-based things these days, aside from, you know, moving more into the dance fitness community. Um, but I did actually, uh, defend other kids in my high school. There were gay kids in my color guard. And because, you know, one of my guy friends who was gay had long hair, he got picked on a lot from other kids in school. And we actually, we very much defended him because he was one of ours and they might pick on me, but they're not going to pick on him. So, you know, these are the reasons why body positivity is something that I'm really super passionate about because I don't want people to have to go through, especially kids. I don't want kids to have to go through what many of us did. So it is something that I really am very, very passionate about. Okay. Um, anybody else want to jump in? Sure. Uh, Bill. Uh, so, so yes, very much. Yes. Um, I was also a very chubby kid growing up. Uh, I still am now. Um, but and this may be something we, you know, uh, may talk about later as well. Uh, I never had problems with the other kids picking on me. It was really terrible because the other kids picked on the girls in our class and never really picked on the boys. Um, you know, my friends were always pretty, you know, pretty good about it. You know, the other kids who weren't my friends, they were pretty rough sometimes. Um, but yeah, I, I never had too much of a problem dealing with it. Um, I had a problem with my own self, but I never, I love food. So I didn't, fortunately didn't develop any kind of like eating disorder about it. You know, it's never really gotten to me, um, you know, back then or even, even now I still would like to look a little bit different. Um, you know, look a little bit, you know, leaner and stuff. Um, as I did when I was a kid. Oh, Aaron, you look like you're ready to go too. Yeah. So, I sound like a chorus here, but yeah, I also had images as as a as a kid being overweight, um, being a big kid. I was just large in general. I was tall. Most kids I was a big frame, and also just relatively big kid. So it was really tough for me because before puberty, a lot of my family was like, "Oh, when you hit puberty, you'll grow out of it," and it was really tough because yeah, I can say I, I heard that a lot too growing up too. So. And it was a lot of absolutely like it, it was always like, oh, that next thing you look forward to in your life, you know, never really showing like now that you're, you you be who you are now, except who you are now. It's always like you're going to grow into something better. And that was a tough thing to hear from parents, from older siblings. Yeah. I was the youngest. So that was always really tough. Uh, I definitely grew taller. <laughs> uh, and very tall. <laughs> so I, I did have a distinction of being the one of the larger kids in my class so being bullied was really rare um for me uh and the few times that did happen i fortunately had some really great friends that were there to support me so i had some really you know that support there for that i had but it's always been a thing for me um and it continues to be a struggle for me but uh, i've definitely become a lot more comfortable who i am and so like bill i continue to strive to you know improve myself i think Mm -hmm. in a good way we're all works in progress. Yep. Yeah. 
That's very true. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually on the opposite end of the pendulum. I've always been really, really small to the point where it was like matchstick thin. <laughs> and that's just my makeup. Like, you know, my mom's also very like small bone, stuff like that. And um, which aren't very tall. <laughs> and uh, one of the difficulties with that, and again, I think, you know, might be being female in general, it's a problem, but you know, no matter what your body is, you're just going to get picked on. Um, the issue everyone always threw on me was that I looked like a little boy. Like even when I was in puberty, because I didn't have big boobs, because I wasn't curvy, because I didn't have that for a very long time, I constantly got, oh, you look like a 12 year old boy. You look like a, you know, you just look like a little boy, which when you're 16 or 17, that's tough. Mm So, yeah, I definitely could feel it on that end of the things. And I always, because I was actually, like, way smaller, like, I felt, you know, everything felt big on me. So you do feel like you don't fit in your body or you don't fit where you're supposed to be. Did you ever feel like you were disappearing? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) All the time. And I was really quiet, too, so it was really easy to feel that way. To to piggyback on what you said, um, I remember, like, in middle school, high school, uh, I could never buy clothes that were geared towards my age, and mm-hmm. and that's definitely like that that hurts. Like like you're not you have to wear adult clothes at 15, and so mine's the opposite. Right. I was fitting in children's clothes for like the right. longest time, and you know, as like when you're older, it doesn't matter. But when you're a teenager and you're trying to be older and one of the big kids, and you're stuck wearing like children's clothes, it's like oh man, <laughs> or just fitting in yeah absolutely and i i don't know how they label it for you know girls clothes but boys clothes were always labeled for husky yeah and i was, I was gonna, like i was gonna get oh, into that i was that just gonna yeah. say that that and is I'm a like, terrible term yeah it really like, is. i'm thinking about it you know growing up as a kid i was like oh you know husky okay like but now uh, looking back at it, it's like no it's just a really it's, it's it was also a really was a negative term crap tastic term i was actually going to go into yeah. it in mind because i remember because i went to catholic school growing up mm-hmm. uh and going to the uniform place and it was just kind of like oh you know this is your size but you know what let's get you that size in the husky line and you're like well great i if i didn't feel bad about myself to start it today i definitely do now and just like Aaron, you were saying a little bit ago about that whole you you grow out of it i heard so much like before like my mid-teens Oh, it's just baby fat. You know, it'll it'll eventually just kind of shed itself right off. So much so that I remember, like, when I did get to that point where I was, like, getting ready to leave Catholic school, going into public school, I wanted to do everything in my power to change my body image as much as humanly possible. So I started eating really, like, poorly in the way of not eating much at all. Um, you know, growing my hair out to try to kind of fully transform into somebody completely different because I was so tired of what I was leaving behind. And I just didn't want to carry that into a new place. Um, and that cycle kind of continued even when I started, like, finding my tribe. Like, I, you know, pounded down, like, weight loss pills like crazy because I was doing Rocky Horror. And I'm like, well, I have to take off my clothes. And God forbid I look terrible and get a bad comment from somebody. And I was really on edge about it because, again, I'm 16. And it's really difficult to deal with. But, like, once I kind of got to, like, 18, I'm like, nope, this is me. I'm cool. I know I'm always going to be one of those people that fluctuates weights where it's going to be I'm going to be a 34-inch waist. Then I'm going to be a 36-inch waist. Then maybe back to a 34, and it would be bounced back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And the biggest thing is, even to today, like it's something I still struggle with because I always would say I'm not going to buy new clothing for myself because I want to get to this plateau. And then 
Kat's been awesome in saying, you know what? No, just enjoy yourself now. Do good things for yourself now. So it's something I still struggle with today, but that's always been a big thing for me of being the one picked on at school because he was I was the slightly chubby one in a class of 30, which is really yeah, difficult. Yeah, Catholic school's small. Yeah. 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 And it was... And it's like when you're, it feels like sometimes too, when you're sandwiched in between, you don't know kind of where you fit. And I think that's always been really tricky too. Like you're not on, you're not tall, built, any of those pieces, or you're not super thin, but you kind of fall in this weird middle ground that's not quite average, but it's, it, it's not healthy and you feel it and you feel it in your bones constantly that you're just, something's wrong with you. It's always just that feeling of being other. I know exactly that right. feeling because I knew, like, I have two older sisters who, are growing up, the two of them together in the sixth grade weighed 110 pounds. Like, they're real thin. They, mm-hmm. They're still relatively yeah. small, but, like, they were always really, really small, and I was not. And I was more curvy. I was more of a round person, even though I was a chubby kid, and then I grew into a curvy teenager and a, gr- a curvy adult. It's just who I am. But at the time, I kept thinking, what's wrong with me? And everybody, you know, even from my parents, grandparents, family members, well-meaning other people would always say things like, same thing to me, like, oh, again, you'll grow out of it once yep. you hit that growth spurt. I'm like, well, I stopped growing at 14, so. Yep, I've, yeah. I've had a barrel chest since I was a kid. I've like, had my a ribs belly are since I was wide, seven years old. And I... It, it's, no, it's nothing's going to change that. It's your bone structure. It's my bone structure. It's, it's, it's who I am and how I'm built. It's it's a really difficult thing, and especially when you're constantly told that to be able to love yourself. Yeah. Jess? Yeah. yeah. So like everyone else has been saying, definitely had issues growing up. I've always been on the slightly larger side, and that's very difficult, especially in an Italian family where if you don't have seconds or thirds, there's something wrong with you, but... You look a little rounder in the face than you did when I saw you a couple months ago. You know, oh, those yeah. were the kind of things that you yes. get from get family from members, Irish, Irish which is yes. so great. Or have you lost weight? You look good. No, not even a little bit. So did you think I looked like crap before? Anyway, but growing up, it was hard because I was slightly bigger. My my brother is a very, very thin person. Um, and just the language around food and weight was never really healthy. Luckily, I really did have a wide group of, a very representative group of friends that I found in middle school. But that was also hard because it was an all-girls Catholic school. So you are constantly comparing yourself, how you look in your uniform, how that skirt fits you compared to so-and-so. I was not actively bullied, but I did form a really close-knit friend group, and we all looked out for each other because we had to, especially being geeks and being kind of cast as the other anyway. And similar to Jada, I also did theater, and it was very hard not to compare yourself to the chorus girls who had been taking dance their whole life, who were that rail thin. I was taking dance my entire life since I was three years old, and I've always mm-hmm. had this body. Yep. It do- any, yeah. And I say this because I teach dance fitness now. Yes. Anybody, if it's a body who loves to dance, is a dancer's body. Because so many times I wish I, I had heard that. that growing up. So many yes. times... From dance teachers, I was told if you'd only lose just a little bit of weight, you'd be in the front row. Right. And that's heartbreaking when you're 13, 14, and all you're doing is you're dancing five nights a week for three hours a night, and your body doesn't change because it's your body. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. And that's something I've had to come to terms with. My proportions are going to be the same no matter what. There Mm -hmm. are certain things I absolutely cannot change. And then once I hit puberty, some of my friends became a little more voluptuous, got a bit more of the attention. And I was over here like, 
all right, I'm, <laughs> I'm bigger, but still not in the places that it apparently counts. Mm-hmm. So I it's a very complicated so history, and it, I am such a work in progress. So I'm very excited to dive into this tonight. Yes. Well, I think that's, again, that's that's the great thing for everybody here. Everybody at this table has very dramatically different bodies than the person sitting next to them. I mean, it's just right off the bat. But as, again, you said it, Aaron, you said it, it's that whole idea of we're work in progress is you're working to being the best you that you wish to be. And it's not saying that what the positions that any of us are in now is a bad thing at all. It's just, if you try, if you're wanting to improve yourself because it makes you feel good, awesome, more power to you. If you're happy with who you are now, awesome, more power to you. So And reframing learned concepts. Trying yeah. to cognitively <laughs> reframe the way you think about these things. Yeah. Uh, Gina? I was just thinking, um, you know, now that I'm actually pursuing more in the dance fitness community, one thing that I actually say to my classes, and I, I may have an anecdote later about this, but one thing that I say to my classes and, you know, if people talk to me afterwards, I had, I've had people say, oh, did you, have you lost a lot of weight doing this or doing Zumba or doing Bombay Jam? And I say, my aim is not, I don't dance to be skinny. I dance to be happy. I dance because it's a celebration of what my body can do, not a punishment for what I did. That's great. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, just to kind of piggyback on what you're talking about, about being works in progress. For, for me, it's like you said, it's something that I'm doing for myself. Um, Nobody is not an outside influence. It's an internal one. And that's a much better way. So it's coming from. As yeah, Jada says, the way it like, should be. It's yep. an internal process rather than an external force. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, why don't we move into our next point? Because I think we've we've did a little self healing, and I think that's a good way to get started into a really heady topic. That we Always may is. all we all, may all at break need to take a couple minutes and just be like, give me give me five before we dive back. I think into we're that gonna place. need a group hug. So, oh, yeah. definitely. I think there's definitely gonna be a group hug by the end of this one. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So, now is when pop culture comes into the mix, and during that whole growing up stage, because this is where a lot of society starts getting its hooks in you. And starts telling you of who you're supposed to be. So I wanted to kind of ask you guys, what was your takeaway from entertainment you consumed when you guys were younger? And did it have negative impacts on you, um, on the way that people were represented? Um, in addition to, did you, how, when did you, if you did start not really notice it, when did you start seeing it as an actual problem? And then, you know, how do you feel about any kind of perceived double standards? I know, Aaron, you had a big piece about that, about males versus women. And then honestly, too, why we actually hold on to the ideals that were so toxic. So again, tons to unpack there. And I realized <laughs> for this one, it's better to get those points out now because people are going to launch in and just go and go for it. So Jada, you were really ready to rock. So <laughs> go for it. Okay. So I grew up in the 80s and 90s and definitely Inclusion of different body types was not a thing. You know, you talked about, um, you know, animation style. So you look at like the over the top, hyper masculine, hyper feminine, hyper or um, over sexualized caricatures that we saw even in cartoons as kids. Everybody was this felt, you know, big chest, big pecs. I think Mallrats actually said it the best. Kevin Smith's line about that, where he said, you know, under is it the big tits, big guns, big pecs, those that that's what our, our bread and butter is. And that's what animation styles were. Even into even if you look at like Batman, the animated series, X-Men, He-Man, She-Ra, Gem and the Holograms, all of those mm-hmm. really brought out that you have to be this tall, slim physique or, you know, this big buff, oversized, muscular He-Man. Um, along with that, you have the invention of MTV. So you you get inundated with these like video babes who are all super slim, big boobs, big hair. 
Um, I mean, that was the era that we grew up watching. And even as a kid, I remember looking at those things and thinking, you're really breaking people down into a matter of parts. And it's all mm -hmm. about consumable media. Even as a kid, I understood that that was over-sexualized and problematic. Fuller figured women were deemed as gross. Fuller figured women were seen as dirty. They were seen as disgusting. They were seen as the butt of a joke. If you were lucky and you were a fuller figured female, you might be considered a comedic, um, a comedic, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Sidekick in a movie or a show, yeah. but you were never the ingenue. You were never the romantic lead. That was never a thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so, often they were cast as the villain. Oh yes. Also true. That's yes, true. You were villainized if you were seen as, um, if you were, you know, seen as fat or, you know, a non-desirable body type. And also the same thing is true talking about differences in men versus women. A woman on TV or a movie will never be average. You will never see a woman who is average on TV or in a movie, you will see a man who's average and you'll see a man who's average, get a super hot chick. So mm -hmm. think like Wayne's world. Mike Myers yeah. is really kind of an average guy. Yes. And he got Tia Carrere? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, or look at like the that. movie Twins with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. They both dated supermodels by the end of that movie. Also look at the show Perfect Strangers. Both of those guys were way average guys. And there's nothing wrong with being average. But look at the female love interest. It was male they fantasy. Were exactly. It's all yeah. about male fantasy. It's all about who's telling the stories and who are they telling them for. It's all consumable. And that's when I started realizing I was young. I was younger than my daughter is now. So I, we were talking seven, eight years old when I realized like, okay, it's all about, you know, if you want to be considered beautiful, you have to have these kinds of parts. Well, I didn't have those kinds of parts. I still don't have those kinds of parts now. So it's, to me, those were kind of the influences when I really started seeing what was problematic in media. And I think those switches started flipping when I was in my teens, because then you're talking into the 90s where I was a curvy teen. I've never been an, I've never been a waif. And that was what was in your, you know, the ideal body type was somebody who could be drowning in their Jinko jeans and have their hip bones poking out below mm -hmm. their little strappy underpants and their baby tee. That was a thing that was never me. And, you know, it's, it's difficult when the images that are presented uh, are these like heroin chic, like gaunt female body types. Men were still pretty average. There were definitely some, you know, skinny, more, I would say wiry male body types, but you're looking at some of these female body types as the aesthetic of what was considered beautiful. And I mean, it was more than unattainable. Well, and a lot of them were going through really unhealthy practices to maintain that too, which is like... That's why it was called heroin <laughs> chic. Exactly. Yeah. It was real bad. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I was just going to say, I had a bit of a revelation about myself. Um, it's probably <laughs> why I identified most with bookish types in pop culture when I was a kid, because I did not see my physical form represented No, in never. any yeah. main character heroine. So... I grew up on Disney princesses and I wanted to be them so badly, but I kind of cognitively knew that I, I couldn't. So I would rather identify with Hermione Granger or, or Belle or someone else who, who is not judged on their appearance, who in fact their entire character is based on the fact that they use their intellect. Absolutely. That makes sense. Did you want to expand upon um, any of the actual piece here too, uh, to continue that idea? Yeah, and I, I just don't think that that was necessarily a... I mean, you guys, I'm speaking purely from a female experience, so please let me know if you guys felt the same in male characters that you saw at the time. 
I would really love to know. Well, I mean, I can say from, at least from my perspective, I mean, everything that I still even saw growing up from like being the age of like, you know, three and four all the way up, like pretty much anytime you watched, whether it was Spider-Man, whether it was He-Man, like it was like that Conan look was dust in. Like, mm. I mean, even looking at the comic books back from then, like you can look at, I want to say it's the Rob Liefeld Captain America. And there's the long-term joke about that. Like if you've ever seen, there is this meme of, what does this character look like without the costume on? And it's like pecs that are basically drowning his face <laughs> because you're like, well, no body is ever going to be built like that. It's but so like ridiculous. the nineties extreme version of the characters of that was like so over the top where proportions will never exist like that. But not just proportions, physics. Phys- well, yeah, physics. Like <laughs> Barbie. Yeah. Enough said. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, true. I think for me though, like, Growing up, that was that was what I was consuming. I, you know, for me, I wasn't paying attention to things like Barbie or like really like MTV or those things. But like that's where my focus was, and I was like, and I just thought, nope, that's what I'm going to look like when I'm older because it screws you up. It, right. does, it completely rewrite rewrites everything that you think is supposed to happen. It's that whole idea because again, back that up with what we just said a few minutes ago of. Well, you're going to shed, shed that baby fat, then you're going to grow out of this. This is just your face period. And you're going to end up looking like that creepy, twisted Captain America. I'm like, I kind of hope not. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, but like you take from that and muscles that's... muscles upon muscles upon... But I mean, like, <laughs> then you kind of grow up a little bit and you start looking back at that and like... You hate to say it, but even Transformers hypersexualized. There was Everything one, was hypersexualized well, in the 80s. Was, like, what the hell were they giving us? There was one female Autobot, really and she RC, and she had tits and was curvy. That's so Even odd. the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were jacked, and they April is? was the True. ideal. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, Casey oh, yeah. Jones had a belly shirt with the sleeves ripped off and mm-hmm. just muscles everywhere, and April was a, a quintessential curvaceous TV reporter. But not too curvaceous, because you still got to fit into that jumpsuit. That yeah, yellow nice. jumpsuit that yeah. will show every line. Mm. My yeah, God. pretty much. But I mean, even though too, like you go back and look at Who Framed Roger Rabbit, huge moment, and everybody's like saw Jessica Rabbit and you know, like preteen boys everywhere had lost their minds. And again, it's the sad thing is even the characters commenting on it is like, I'm not bad, I'm just drawn that way. And you're like, nope, nope. You you it's it's that bad. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> it's that's really what it is. So but yeah, it's that's- crazy when you look back at all these things. Well, jumping off of that, actually, um, the uh, one of the things I noticed, because I, from like when I was 10, started watching anime. And anime has a very tense, so some, some women are depicted normally, and then you get the other ones where like they have, you know, they're being taken over by boobs, like to the point where it's just insane. And I don't know how they're aloft because they're not balloons. And then, like, the waist sizes are ridiculous because it would never hold something that weight ever. They would snap in half. And then, like, it would be the massive hips, but then it would, like, curve immediately. Like, it was very ridiculous shapes. And so watching that being really skinny with, like, no figure, I'm like, uh, I don't even come close to anything. But Nobody it's does. Really, no, no one does. Nobody does. It's super unrealistic, but they're so it's so common. I remember in high school, like read, looking at pop culture and stuff, and basically trying to figure out what their body fat percentage would have to be <laughs> and working towards that. I'm not even kidding. We would look at these guys and be like, I guess they're like a two. Like, how do we work towards that? And like that's oh, not healthy. No. I mean, it's not even healthy to be that level. What I learned much later from reading and research. Like professional bodybuilders are like that for competition. 
Yeah. Throughout the rest of the year, they're fairly large, rounder individuals. Well, from a massage perspective, too, building up that much muscle is actually really unhealthy because at some point, the sarcomeres aren't getting blood flow, like the, right. the muscle fibers. Right. They don't, they stop getting blood flow. So you have these like growths on you. I mean, you might as well have a tumor. Like, <laughs> right. And in the 80s, when I watched and consumed a significant amount of movies, the bodybuilder was like the action star. Mm-hmm. Um, that always, was a very always. quintessential yeah. style. Stallone, of, Schwarzenegger, yeah, Lundgren. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even like Van Damme was like oh, yeah. jacked. The Today muscles from Brussels. You know? Yeah, they've, they've toned that down in that they've made them more medium size, but they're still very cut. And they're still like at mm-hmm. f- three and four percent. And you listen to these actors and their diets; they're not sustainable for the average person. They're like, no. I eat four grams of protein and sixteen this and this. It's like nobody can maintain that level of diet without somebody maintaining it for you. It's well, like, I mean, yeah. like, yes. you, you, we talk about like, and we'll talk about actors and actresses a lot in this. I mean, like, and even you can see them saying, "Oh, we're doing it for our craft and such and such and such." I mean, like, you look at people that put themselves through hell, and they're paying for it now. You look at Christian Bale doing, like, The Machinist, and you're like, what were you thinking doing that to oh yourself? Gosh. And that's one thing. But, like, Tom Hanks, his doctor said, you can't keep doing this. You can't yeah. gain weight and lose weight for roles. You are, you're yeah. killing yourself. Yeah. Anyway. And yeah. that same thing happened to Bale. Like, when he they said, hey, you're playing Batman, bulk up. It's time. And he took it and says, so I'm going to be built as a bear. And he was like, he's like, I was consuming like close to like seven to like 10 meals a day, like full meals Jesus. and just nonstop. And they said he got, he showed up there and they said he just did a role where he was like American cycles, a psycho, like standard size and came in and they said it looked like a bear walked in and you were like, what just happened? And we're oh like, my God. and they said he was too big and they said, we can't fit you in this and we're going to drop you from it unless you can drop. 30 pounds you have like two months to do it and he did it and but like you think about what they're doing to themselves but the messages that's conveying to all the people that are watching them and with social media the way it is that's all they're doing it's conveying it um also from you know a female perspective you have women who may have just had a baby yeah Yeah. and they're told they have 30 days to get themselves back in shape. Your body's not even healed you're, from childbirth. No. <laughs> and you're told you have 30 days or maybe 60 if you're That's lucky and have a really insane. kind director or manager or company or whatever, if you're a model or an actress. And yet they're praised. This is not something that I feel, especially as a woman and as a mother, that I feel should be praised in our society. We should not be, you know, no. praising women for, you know, getting their pre-baby bodies back. Like your body is your body. You just had a child. Yeah. And our bodies are built by evolution. Our bodies are built to sustain a baby. Our bodies are, are built to feed that baby post-pregnancy as well. And when you're immediately telling somebody, oh, by the way, now you have to go back to eating 1,300 calories in a day and Jesus. you know, and exercising five to six hours a day to get back to your pre-body svelte self so that way you can go be in this movie, which you know, for an actress, if that is their craft and that is their choice, it's still in my eyes not right, but it's also less right because that's telling every other woman in, like, who's consuming that media, who's looking up to that actress and going, well, she did it. Mm-hmm. What is that saying to her? Like, what is it yeah. saying to that woman, to that mother that's telling her, okay, stop breastfeeding. That's telling her, go back to the gym. So spend less time with your child. Oh, and by the way, you also have to go back to work. And now I'm del- delving into a whole other different side yeah. of issues yeah. that I didn't even intend to delve into right now. I'm getting all kinds of emotional, but I digress. It's a huge problem. Uh, so, it is an issue. 
we're talking a lot about weight right now, but yeah. you know, there's the other end of representation too, and body types. And I think that's one thing that is a good point for us to bring up now, especially still talking about our childhoods growing up. Yeah. Like again, watching you said something like Perfect Strangers. What's well, a whole bunch of white people doing? A whole bunch of white people things. Yep. Um, yeah. If you want to watch a modern black family, you have to go. Well, that's that's on this other network over here. Go go watch. Um, um, the Huxtables. Yeah, pretty much. Go watch the Cosby Show, and I'm yeah. like, because that story is only happening over here. You don't. You didn't see a lot of intermixing of any of that. There stuff was no more. representation. No. So very think, very little and zero LGBTQ representation. Yeah. Right. Non-existent yeah, basically. Yeah. And, and even less trans representation as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh I mean, like I said, I you know, we talked about LGBTQ even back then. The only thing I can even think of was like designing women that had any kind of gay representation. And I can't remember his name for the life of me. Um, he was actually, an, uh, he was an actor that was also in uh, the movie Mannequin. Um, oh, it's going to drive me nuts. <laughs> Uh, we'll but, check it after the break. Yeah, where's, yeah. where's Bill? <laughs> the IMDb. That's usually know, right, right. right. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like, but you you saw really limited amounts of that, though. But a lot of that comes into. And if you did see LGBTQ representation, it was often horrifically stereotypical yes. mm-hmm. and awful. So you'd have that like super over the top effeminate or super butch. Like it was never, it was never an actual idea. It was never realistic. Yeah, there was really no space for anyone who fluxed between the genders either. Like, gender fluid was not really anything represented because 80s and 90s, it was the super femme or super masculine. Like, there were no deviants. Like, there was no, you know, crossing the streams on that one. I I just wanted to get your thoughts on, like, how Will and Grace did that. Uh, Because they tried to not play that stereotype role with the two characters. I just wanted to get your opinion on it. Um, go ahead. I'm actually rewatching that series right now. Oh, it's all on Hulu. I've oh, yeah. had a good time watching it. Not all of it holds up to today, <laughs> but a lot of it does. And it was revolutionary for what it did. it was progressive at the time. It was progressive at the time. And we're talking maybe a year or so after Ellen DeGeneres had come out is when that show started airing. Yeah. So f- for what it did, it was great, I think. And I think mm-hmm. it still is. And it's a very interesting cultural landmark at this point as well as to what was becoming mainstream. Yeah. Agreed. Bill, you've been quiet for a little bit. Yes, I'm not sure what to say. Okay. I mean, I know that uh, definitely, you know, in terms of going back, and, and again, we're kind of reversing well, we're, back. We're gonna towards... we're gonna straddle conversations a lot yes. in this, so it's okay. So don't feel bad but about like, moving backward or forward a little bit. So, like back to the the weight thing in terms of you know, uh, in terms of the perceived double standards. Like, I never felt like you know I was again on you know. Fortunately, stereotypical, I'm a white male. I am represented everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's a little, you know, it's a little awkward now because I'm like, I'm seeing it. I'm like, well, you know, why don't we see other things in our society? Yeah. But, you know, growing up, that was what the media was. Um, I watched a lot of Ghostbusters as a kid. So I was like, hey, look, four nerdy white dudes. Hey, this is awesome. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, what media really drove into me and I didn't even really... You know, this is something, this is a revelation that's coming to me right now that drove to me uh, to see other characters and say, okay, I'm never going to look like, you know, Conan. 
but at least I don't look like that Chris Farley character or that John Candy character. I'm never going to be that large. And that's a terrible thing to think when you're a kid. It's yeah. a terrible thing to think yeah. now that I'm realizing that's what I thought back then. Yeah. You know, I'm like, hey, I'm laughing at them. They're the butt of the joke. Mm-hmm. But that's... Well, unfortunately, yeah. we still do that. And yeah. We're going to talk know. about that yeah. in a second because we I, one of the movies that we wanted to bring up that's a really positive film, you bring up Ghostbusters. The new Ghostbusters movie did a couple amazing things. Yeah, right? they Melissa really McCarthy, did. you say, okay, it's an overweight woman. She's going to be played for the butt of the joke. And she never was. And I Which loved Which was fucking awesome. That was because that. honestly, really like cool. so much of some of the other movies that even she's been in have yeah. really, really aggravated me with that because just because a woman is large, she has to be the funny one or but she has to be the same thing for guys, be. though. It's always yeah. been the same thing. As he mentioned, mm-hmm. John, people like Belushi, yep. Candy, all these people if you were a large individual god better hope you're funny because mm-hmm. belushi mm-hmm. still That's... got a hot wife though in the sitcom <laughs> but i mean it's crazy to think about it's that though standard. i mean like you see that so much and that's a big piece of all of this in the way that it kind of settles on you and it's kind of crazy to think about but it's um you know when we talk about where we were then to where we are now it's like well Fortunately, that needle hasn't moved very far at all. And you're mm-hmm. really kind of surprised when you see something that doesn't do it. And it, the fact that you have to be surprised is telling one how bad it is, um, which is true. a shame. Uh, really, also, especially when you consume media, uh, cultural things from other society, like other cultures, um, watching British television really puts a spotlight on American television. Yeah, When it, it comes to like, it, you, you said with, with women, um, American TV, they're always the same type of yep. ultra fit, yep, yep. very, um, very thin women. But if you go to British television, there's a much wider gamut of, of character because they tend to view acting more than looking pretty for Hollywood. They do. I'm, I'm going to awesome. have you put a pin in that, but have you jump right back into it in just a half a second, because that actually transitions us into what we're going to talk about now. <laughs> that was totally uh, on purpose. I know. <laughs> Now. So well, that's the idea now is how do we feel that representation uh, representation has changed over the last couple decades? Because from the 80s to, you know, we're almost in the two, uh, 2020s, which is freaking crazy. Weird. And we still don't have flying cars. And it still <laughs> drives me, makes me sad. Physics. Yeah, we do have Teslas. They're kind of like robots from space that you can ride in. <laughs> that's true. Uh, but, you know, like I said, well, representation has changed a ton in the past 40 years. You know, you know, do we think, uh, where, where do we think there's been active progress and where do we feel that we've really stalled in society? And then what do we see, like, why, why are we seeing that pushback, though, too, from our peers when there should be celebration, which was beautifully put from Jada when I was reading the email from her. But, um, you know, Aaron, I'm going to have you kind of pick back up because you're talking sure. about, you know, the BBC. And mm-hmm. I know you're right. That's one of the best representations, I think, out there versus American television. Right. I mean... There's lots of, from non-nerdy shows to nerdy shows in the BBC, they have quite the, you know, wide, diverse cast of characters, um, both in race and gender. Yeah. Um, You're going to see trans individuals there long before you'd see them here. And they're not all Hollywood beautiful. And it's wonderful to see that such... It's really nice. yeah, Yeah. It's great to see a big guy being a hero. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how awesome that is to see without yeah. them having to be Kevin James, um, <laughs> and he and he he only gets to do it because he's best friends with like Adam Sandler and he just makes him his hero in his movies. But mm-hmm. in reality, those yeah. those characters you see, uh, I watch a lot of Doctor Who and those kinds of shows. You watch like 
they have these characters that are they're different sizes, body shapes, mm-hmm. they're different aliens, of course, even. I mean, <laughs> all the different companions, like every yes. companion looks drastically different. They, which they is had awesome. A tra- they had a trans companion, and it was a. Am- Did they? Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Well, that's awesome. I didn't know that. That was the end of Capaldi's run, correct? Yes, it was. And, oh, and that's awesome. It was amazing. Yeah. Uh, they were just an amazing person watching that. And being able to consume that today yeah. is so much better. Well, I oh think one God. of the things, too, and we bring up, and we're going to probably bring up Doctor Who again, though, as well, but like Donna Noble was a average, you know, just middle-aged woman. And, and a ginger. And a ginger. <laughs> um, not a fake ginger, either, you know? I know like me. <laughs> not saying there's anything wrong with that. You're your soul. You right? are, yeah. You truly are. No, 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 no soul, no soul. No. <laughs> um, but I mean, I think one of the things, though, too, that we have, we we're probably going to miss a lot in this because it's a lot harder to find good representation of it. Uh, Doctor Who is not very ageist either. You saw Bernard Krebins, who mm-hmm. was played Don, Donna's That's father, a good point. who was a man that was in his eighties, who oh. actually just came back to do the role for a radio play for the BBC oh, with so with um, uh, Catherine Tate. Oh. Where they all did the roles together. And he was like, oh my god, I can't wait to do this again. Um, but like, yeah, you don't cool. see that. And he was a hero. You have this yeah, mi- middle, yeah. uh, you know, like, you know, middle of his 80s, uh, you know, still just enjoying being able to do these things. And it was, it's not something else we talk about a lot, too, with body positivity, is having elderly heroes. Because once, in our culture, in the US especially, it's like, you've passed 60? Goodbye. Oh my god, um, you passed 30? Well, goodbye. Women, women, yeah. yeah it's like... I, I do have to put one caveat to that, which was Golden Girls, which was oh, really good. Yeah, Golden Girls, so Golden Girls was, a, it was a groundbreaking show. It truly it was. Really it was. really was. It really was. And I love so... watching the videos about it today. They're like, oh my god, they really did talk about this stuff in the 80s. They yeah. did. And they did yeah. a really freaking good job but of it, too. That's like great. one of those rare gems. Yes. That was not the norm. Everything else also, Knight Rider and mm-hmm. <laughs> um, So, kind of going into again the evolution. You know, does anybody want to jump into how they, how big of a shift we've seen in the last forty years? Because there's been tons. Cat. So, I think um, we were talking about cartoons earlier, but the cartoons have shifted drastically. Like, it's all there are so many different sizes and shapes and colors, and it's wonderful because I mean. It gives the artists so much to work with versus like limiting them to bodybuilders. <laughs> I've also seen that same drawing style shift in a lot of the graphic novels that have been coming out recently, yeah. where it is more of an indie look and the characters can be all different shapes and sizes. And it's not just like we were talking about the superhero cookie cutter mm-hmm. jacked or live characters, which I really appreciate. Squirrel Girl. Squirrel Girl. Aww. Squirrel Girl all the way. Uh, Absolutely. Lumberjanes. Lumberjanes is what I was going to say. Lumberjanes is phenomenal. I, I love them because they're representing so many people who for so long, especially in comics, have not been represented. Well, I think the beautiful thing too, and you see it with comics, especially in the last 20 years, is you talk about moving kind of almost to that indie visual look, which is very minimalist. But the why it's so great is it allows them to... Not have to worry too much about backgrounds, but so they can make their characters emote easier versus, uh, I've got to draw 47 trees on this panel, and now I have to do all this car <laughs> detail work next, and I have to do this really intricate costume. I, I, I don't care about what Steve Rogers' face is doing right now, because I have, to, I have another skill to write and draw in his true. Honor. Absolutely. So it yeah. just gets lost in the shuffle, but when you can yeah. say, hey, well, there's just a building and these three things around it, and it's all black with detail line work, you can... 
Squirrel Girl's face pops and says, this is why I'm important and this is why I should be the focal point. I've also been seeing graphic novels recently that are, are in a very limited color palette. Yes. Which I oh, love. It's neat. it's gray tones and maybe one color. And it, Ooh. like you said, brings out the facial expressions and, and the yeah. features. And it's really wonderful. Um, I'm actually going to drop a quick thing here too. Um, uh, this is a real quick random side thought. Uh, there was an animated film that just came out recently, which shouldn't be good, but it's phenomenal. It's Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it uses minimalism all over the place. Uh, where the scene will break away, you will see a sky uh, sky sequence in the background, and then you will see everybody in black, but then you'll see, like, Batman's insignia on his chest only, and Raphael's bandana. But, like, it, it it's sharp, and it doesn't look like these overly burly, like, they all have different body shapes and That's types. That's really and it's nice. beautifully done. So very, very cool. Um, the one thing we're talking about, the evolution of art and stuff the one thing i wish i would see is is in dungeons and dragons getting oh away my god right from, art in gaming books in general yeah. still has a long way to go adapt. i mean talk um, about like our bread and butter of geekdom and just failing totally uh-huh. failing um and actually if i could just for a second um one of my dear friends who has been writing in gaming books for the past like 25 years he actually did work on um, a lot of the White Wolf 20th anniversary editions. And one of the ones he was actually really, really hugely disappointed in was the Vampire the Masquerade one. Mm-hmm. Because there was zero representation at all whatsoever, except for skinny white people. Mm-hmm. And granted, it's a book about vampires. But last I checked, I played Vampire the Masquerade 20 years ago, at yeah. least. And legit anybody can get embraced you don't have to be a skinny white person to be embraced Mm -hmm. so i know we're trying to market towards like a goth audience or whatever but again it's it's all about representation matters black and goth exactly Mm. it would would, eliminate anybody who's not skinny and white i would love to see more representation in minis Mm -hmm. because i was picking one for a new campaign last weekend and i'm like all right do i want the one with the enormous tits or the slightly smaller (laughs) tits like None of these are representative of me or what my Thank character's you. going to Thank look you. like. Uh, and and oh, her bikini chainmail too? Yes. Oh, my God. oh yeah. To piggyback on that, um, you know, not even only in just geek culture as far as minis and tabletop D&D, LARP in general um, now is a lot more inclusive. But when I first started LARPing literally 22 years ago, when I first started getting into it, it was like very like, oh, well, you're going to play an elf? No, I don't think so. Like unless you were like tall and wafy, um, or yeah, I actually yeah. I, I went to I went to a character creation set like session for a changeling game, and I was like, ooh, I want to play a she, and they're like, oh no, you can't play a she. Those girls are playing she's, and I was like, what? and then I saw the girls Excuse that were yeah, me? basically. That's so I decided I was going to play a red cap, and I was going to be the snarliest, bitchiest red cap, and it was <laughs> like literally my favorite LARP character ever. Because you know what, I could go to game and eat, and I did, and I was like. You to everybody yep, else. Yep, yep. Sorry, bitches. Seriously. Well, where do we think we've stalled? Because we were talking about like we we're taking a lot of strides forward, but I know we've also just as we mentioned before a couple minutes ago, where we kind of hit that wall. Where again, the big people are the ones that just don't really get their dues paid. Um, actually, I'm going to point to the person that doesn't have their hand up. <laughs> Bill needs to Bill's get more put into on the, the spot again. Oh, I'm going to force Bill, you in. Getting... I'm going to force you in. You're getting... Where have we stalled? Um, <laughs> I, I think, honestly, where we stalled in terms of uh, like mass media is all the reality TV shows. 
the reality TV shows like The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. And uh, it's like... Yeah, they always pick the same types of... Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. 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 Those you memes know. where it's like, can you tell the difference between all these bachelors <laughs> right. and they're just all cookie no. cutter white I mean, dudes? I mean, yeah. honestly, I, I hate to say it, at, the, at our last, you know, our last diner night, there was The Bachelor playing on TV uh, or The Bachelorette playing on a TV and there were three white dudes and I looked at all of them and like... They all look the same. It's Chad, yeah. Chad, and Chad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and again, there's nothing wrong with being named Chad. If your name is Chad, I'm sorry, but stuff. I work with a Chad. He's really cool. <laughs> He's super nerdy and geeky. He's great. All right, all right. Chads are beard. fine, but Kyle's. Come on now, Kyle. Get your. I shit work together. with a Kyle too. It's pretty <laughs> awesome. Go I mean, on. it's not. It's not all reality TV shows because there are some great ones, like uh, the one that Making It with you know that Nick Offerman, oh, yeah, that's really good. did. A lot of the cooking shows are really good as well with you know, inclusion and diversity. Um, but you know, the mass media reality TV shows on the big three are, and, and like MTV are just awful. Well, piggybacking off of that, like with stuff like, you know, making it is what mm-hmm. it's called. Yeah. yeah. Um, because that I, we watched a couple opposites of it and that's all, but it's, um, what Jess said earlier, where, because anyone can be valued for their intellect but shows like The Bachelorette, like The Bachelor, it's all about the vision of what's attractive and yep. not. It's a big problem. Well, it's actually, I will say, I think romance actually does a very good job in the sense that it's been included for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, there are sections specifically for that because there are sections for everything in romance. Like there are micro subgenres out the ass because everyone wants to find their specific type because everyone's different and um there's been like actually one of the um authors i work with at evernight got really huge because she was i guess maybe a while ago but when she started um writing bigger women like people jumped on that and they were like oh my god we have representation now we want this so she really exploded from that Jada. Um, so one step forward, I would say, and it's still, we still have a long way to go. Um, you actually, within the past, I would say like 15 years or so, started to see more curvaceous women as being portrayed um, as a little bit more desirable and beautiful. And honestly, I think we have women of color to thank for that. Because um, you had women like all of a sudden, like Jennifer Lopez and Beyonce coming onto the scene who really, you know, were not shaped like the ideal white woman was supposed to look like. You know, you'd have mm-hmm. all those like video bimbos who were super skinny and just had big tits and they were mostly silicone. <laughs> but, um, you know, you all of a sudden had women who had, you know, natural curves and, we're flaunting them. And, you know, I think a lot of like white women got really threatened by that. But then a lot of us who were also like, oh my God, you know, I, I feel a little bit more in line with, with that body type than I ever did with the others. You know, we're finally starting to get a little bit more representation. And I think that's huge. We still have a long way to go. Mm-hmm. I would like to see women, more fuller figured women shown as beautiful in mainstream media. I think that's still, we have a long way to go. I know we're going to touch on this a little bit later, but you know, Everybody was kind of okay seeing a, you know, a, a thick Thor, but Black Widow still better fit in that cat suit. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, he's allowed to drink beer and eat pizza, but my God, she took a bite of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I think that's the only time in 12 movies that she ever took a bite of food on screen. I'm just yeah. going to say that. It's a valid yeah. point. Yeah. Um, Aaron, you looked like you wanted to jump into a couple minutes ago too. 
I'm just trying to get back to remember whose hands were up when. <laughs> are we talking about stalling still? Things that yes, are stalled yes. in our culture? Yes. Um, My brain stalled a few minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it is definitely, it's hard to, we did talk a lot about here with like the reality TV shows. Again, Hollywood is still way behind, um, just in general. Um, yeah, yeah, compared are. to like other cultures, you see all sorts of different body types. I watch a lot of Netflix. I don't have like standard television. Um, I get international shows, and mm-hmm. it's great to see different yeah. bodies uh, from all over the world. And yeah. it's nice to see that. You have to read subtitles every now and then, but it's fun nonetheless. Oh no, you have to read. Um. <laughs> well, I, you know that makes me wonder a little bit where we're going to be in five years when most of our entertainment is consumed via streaming services. Yeah, like where I mean, we're already showing that most of the shows that are winning awards and ratings and stuff like that are all coming from private services that are not beholden to sponsors and all these things where. You know, Tide still comes in and says, I don't want to sponsor the show that's doing X because it doesn't align with our company's personal values. But right. Netflix says, well, we don't give a fuck. <laughs> uh, I was like, we know that people are watching these shows and this is what they said over and over and over that they're looking for. And they can say, hey, we can have, you know, a middle-aged woman that's a person of color be a lead of a show and not utilize her as a sex object or a butt of a joke. Mm-hmm. And people are asking for it, and when that blows up, they know they say, "Yeah, we knew because everybody's been asking for it." They'll be able to, they're able to actually respond, yeah, and actually put some thought and finances into it to actually make sure it's a success. I mean, one of the things that we're going to talk about in representation uh, later on, some of the best ones, people actually really said one of the great points too is Orange Is the New Black. The early seasons, mm-hmm. show kind of fell apart and got a little weird, but that's <laughs> writing and plot versus the characters in yes. there. Though we're all very proud, confident women. But they were all of all dramatic different, different. colors, yes. ethnicities, body types, sexual orientations, and age. Re- and age, and it celebrated all of them without fault, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kat? I feel like the, a lot of the Netflix ones really have kind of pioneered some of that because you tend to see the most variety. Like with Sense8, that was probably one of the <gasps> best shows that I've show seen. show deserved with. better. Oh, my God. It ended, it was, it ended beautifully, though. It did I end beautifully. The final bit that they gave it was amazing. But, like, that, just seeing the breadth of different body types, different people, different backgrounds, all coming together and working together was beautiful. It was so nice. That was definitely one that got a lot of issues right, especially with gender identity and presentation. Oh, my God, um, And yeah. I think we still have a long way to go as far as representation for trans and LGBTQ mm-hmm. in media. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Very, very long way. Mm-hmm. Aaron. <laughs> um, just to finally come back to finally got my thought process back about where we stalled. Um, it's still really easy in mainstream media to for the butt of the jokes to be the big guy. Um, yeah. It's mm-hmm. super, it's just, it's easy. It gets, it's the easy laugh. To me, it feels like it's a bit of a cop out because it's kind of like, well, well, you could be cheap. better. We're going to, but to me, that's yeah. like, that's definitely where we've stalled. Um, as a culture, we still, um, we, we're going to we talk about that at great length that. when we come back, actually. I understand that, but I'm just saying like, as a general feel, I feel oh, like yeah. comedy yeah. can go Absolutely. a lot further. They can do yeah. so much more. Um, like, well, comedy yeah. can be smart and I think people forget that. And I think that's yes. a big thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't have to be dick and fart jokes well, and watch the fat guy fall down. But there right. can be dick and fart jokes. There can be dumb humor too yeah. that doesn't tear people down. Yeah. Like there's plenty. I, I find that it's so funny because I always found that Dumb and Dumber was dick and fart jokes, but they never, like the characters themselves, 
like nobody ever like said like oh you're just a bunch of idiots like yeah they 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 were just one was blissfully ignorant and the other one was just incredibly like arrogant to the point where he just felt like he always knew all the answers and Mm -hmm. he just happened to be the most ridiculous people in general but um i mean that kind of humor like they just did funny things Mm -hmm. that just i never felt like they were making like they were like the absolute butt of the jokes. Like they were, yeah. just, they were always part of the joke. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's huge. That makes it a big difference. Yeah. It's like, we're not making fun of you because of your lack of intelligence. It's like, you're just funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just are yeah. clueless about what's going on around you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's get to the last point before we take our break. Cause we can definitely spend a few minutes on this easily. Um, why do we see pushback from our peers when we should be celebrating all these things? Jada. <laughs> totally Hermione Granger for this episode. I'm just going to say that right now. Um, So I think why we see pushback from our peers when we should be celebrating people's differences is because, okay, so we're going to, I'm going to step us in the way back machine. So many of us talked about that feeling of when we were younger, when we were kids, where we were just pre-adolescents of, oh, well, that's just this. You're going to grow out of that. This is just your transitional phase. This is your awkward phase. You're going to grow out of that. But what happens when people don't grow out of that, but they're told their whole lives that they will? So what happens in my head is that they become the people who are living in this sort of like fantasy realm of this is how I want to see myself. This is who I want to be. I want to be that jacked guy on screen. I want to be Captain America. And this is what I should be consuming. And these are the partners that I should be fantasizing about because I'm going to transition out of this. I am going to become, mm-hmm. you know, my my ugly duckling phase is going to fall behind me at age 42. And I am going to become this svelte, um, jacked Captain America type or Wolverine or whomever. And so therefore I deserve a female partner or a partner of my choosing who is of that exact same body type. And it's who are we telling the stories and who are we telling them for? So you have a bunch of, you know, mainly male dominated gaze that's being projected onto these social, onto these media aspects and who's consuming that, who are they writing these stories for? Mm -hmm. So they're writing these stories for, as you know, I'm going to say Kevin Smith said it best underweight and overweight guys who don't get laid. So they're consuming this media and saying, these are the partners or these, these are the people that I want to fantasize about and who I see myself as, and who I would see myself fucking for better or for worse. So when they see inclusion of other types they reject it. It becomes, oh, well, that I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that person because either they remind me of the worst parts of myself or they remind me of, you know, someone who, you know, or it's a partner that I don't feel as desirable because I feel that they're beneath me. Yeah. That's how I see it. I don't know how everybody else sees it, but to me, that is kind of the thought process. I think one of the big pieces too, and this goes back to um, our episode where we talked about toxic fandoms is gatekeeping. Yep. Gatekeeping yeah. is a big, a yeah. big, huge thing. And we're talking about the beginning of where we all started. Well, where we all started was this place of having, trying to find ourselves, but not being comfortable with our bodies. And then in mirror world, there's the same group of people that all look like us that all have mustaches and goatees <laughs> that felt that way and said, I'm going to glom onto this. And no one can have it but me because it was only consumed for me, mm-hmm. you know? And I think it's the same problem is they're going through that and they said, oh, they're making this, but now there's representation in different body types and different ethnicities and sexualities and, you know, all of that stuff now becomes so vitriol and hateful and God forbid they not make this for me anymore because this is what got me through my life. Now it's being taken from me. I'm like, and they always forget 
you still have them. They haven't gone away. Exactly. There's all of this like stuff that you can consume still that you've never seen that that might work with how you are now as a middle-aged white dude that gets you through your day just the same. But it's not the same thing that you had when you were a child and you have to kind of get past it and just say, okay, well, maybe this thing isn't for me anymore. It's not created for me anymore. And you can celebrate that and still have what you had before. And you can make your own Reese's cup of entertainment and have the new and the old and your peanut butter and chocolate and mash it together and be happy instead of saying, nope, it's going to be only this thing or this thing. And that's the problem. Um, From a totally different angle, um, I think part of it, part of the big problem, too, is the fact that health is often misappropriated with thinness, which does not make any sense. It's not an indicator in a lot, and a lot of times, like people, you know, are praised for losing dramatic amounts of weight. Sometimes it's because they're really unhealthy or they're sick, or you know, if they put on weight and actually fit their figure, like because everyone has different skeletons, everyone has like should fit their frame, but the, everyone's frames are drastically different, and that's not changeable. <laughs> so you know, when they fill out to fit their frame, that that actually is healthy. That's good. That's what it's supposed to be. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, one, one of the things that I cannot stand the most is that we use a, a mathematical formula in insurance called a BMI. Um, yep. A BMI is a 400-year-old formula uh, that is bad in all sorts of different ways. It's good for populations, mm-hmm. bad for people. And I hate the fact that I have a financial incentive to fit a BMI. Yeah. Um, it's a, there's a financial gain for me to hit a certain number. And that is just, I've had that from multiple organizations across the board. And it's really toxic yeah. um, that we're getting yeah. healthcare providers telling us when it shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, That's a problem. Because people are kind of lazy in about mm-hmm. like figuring out what the ideal person should like what your most healthy should be yeah absolutely Um, one final point i want to make out is when you talk about the the gaining of weight uh i did have a friend who gained a significant amount of weight Mm -hmm. um and he was he wasn't confronted by it yeah Um, he approached like 400 Mm -hmm. and he was in a very dangerous location yeah for his health absolutely but people would rather than confront him and saying i'm concerned for you yeah. They would say, you carry that well. You look good. And it's 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 a kind of thing where you have to kind of say he was depressed. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. needed to someone say to him, hey, are you okay? That's, yeah. Not, That's the I don't care about your weight. Thing. I yep. care about you. Yep. Yep. So yep. You, can, you all can That's jump in on that one. Honestly, I'm done. I'm going to say that if your friend was female, so many people would have talked to them about that. Mm-hmm. No, it was a guy. Yeah, so, no, if your friend was female, like literally everyone in their life would have been like, Oh, what's wrong? You know, you're not looking so good. Like that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just, just a real quick point on the BMI. I, there was something that was really, really dangerous from years ago. It was a little something called WeFit. And the, it was the, the, the WeFit, like the thing? The balance board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was yeah. in everybody's houses because everybody owned a Wii. We yep. right. And when yep. you got on the WeFit and you were slightly overweight, the first thing you heard was, oh. And it was an electronic sound. Mm-hmm. And it sounded like somebody was like, oh, that's disappointing. Yeah. When oh, you got on cheers. it. And it then brought up your BMI and it would say you're over. And you're like, how dangerous was that for people? Mm -hmm. Um, But on the note of health and different bodies, like I've been doing massage for close to a decade now. I have worked on hundreds and hundreds of bodies. 
and genuinely everyone is different. <laughs> like exactly. when I'm working on muscles, it's about the health of the muscle. And, you know, again, we really like BMI does not take into factor skeletal frame at all and how weight needs to fit that. Like <laughs> it, it also will put out most athletes as being like obese. Yeah, like it makes no sense. Like athletes, like guys with like yeah. 5% body fat, true athletes, mm-hmm. because they're so heavy, they get to dinged as, as like being. But the, the thing size. is, like, so if people, you know, who have larger skeletons or different frames then go to try to fit those BMI standards, they're not fitting their frame right. And so their muscles are atrophying. Like, they're not actually as healthy as they're supposed to be. Oh, it's yeah. really bad. Um, I, I think I'm going to put a pin in the conversation there because I mean, we that's have just a society. lot more to talk about. Um, and we're at about an hour and five minutes. So I think it's a good time no. for us to take a break. Um, maybe get a group hug on. Because, um, I do like it's, my It's hugs. a good, good time for it, I think. And when we come back, we're actually going to start looking at what shows, media, entertainment did best, which ones did it the worst. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about cosplay because there's a ton we can unpack there. Uh, and then how to kind of get into a healthier lifestyle, uh, but still being able to celebrate yourself, um, I think is the best way to do it. And then a little bit of kind of fun exercise before we close out the show for this one. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back in just a couple minutes. I'm going to send a flood, going to drown them out. I am brave. I am bruised. I am who I'm meant to be. This is me. Look out, cause here I come. And I'm marching on to the beat I drum. I'm not scared to be seen. I make no apologies. This is me. we're back um so i figured the best place for us to dive back in would be to talk about um some past and modern forms of entertainment have done the best job of celebrating representation of diverse body types gender identities all this jazz and um then also dig in a little bit to some of the worst ones uh because i know there's a lot of ones i know we want to bring up at some point in time tonight um and i think maybe the best place for us to start is maybe we can talk about the positive ones first so um, hold off on your worst ones at the start, and then we'll mm-hmm. get into that and kind of transition in kind sure. of like we normally do. Um, so some of the best, uh, Kat, you're ready to rock. Go ahead. Uh, Parks and Rec, um, I thought did a really good job. Like one of the things I loved seeing with, um, Donna's character is they never mention her weight once. She's always treated as a sexy and beautiful person. Yeah. And that's because really she is. She is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's fucking and, awesome to see. And her and Tom She's gorgeous. Again, are they have such a tight friendship and Tom is a very The exact opposite of yeah. her, yeah. Yeah, you you have somebody that's again person of color who is very short, who is kind of more rail thin mm-hmm. and they have this great thing, but they're the ones that all kind of help move that whole treat yourself mentality. Mm-hmm. Like take care. <laughs> and it's really all that's saying is take care of you. And it's coming from two people that are not 
cyst, you know, cyst white, you know, people that are just kind of like, here we are, we're just kind of boring and bland. And they, they just go, no, it's, you, you have to promote self-worth. And mm-hmm. those who are coming, and it's constantly coming from those it's two important. characters more than anybody else on That's that very show. Very true. Which is awesome. Yeah. Um, so a show that I like, kind of just ran through the first season on Hulu within a matter of days that I absolutely loved. That I felt did a really good job of representation for um, more curvaceous women and larger femme types is the Hulu show Shrill, which yeah. if you haven't I've seen it, it, it's really really good it delves into a lot of feminist issues it delves into a lot of the issues between mothers and daughters um work related issues again that whole idea of health equals thinness Mm -hmm. is touched on um also you know what women will especially what larger or fat women will deal with to keep a partner or please a partner Mm -hmm. that's all dealt with in within the very first two episodes and it's it's, it gets kind of heavy at times no pun intended but there's Mm -hmm. also this wonderful scene um i guess it's maybe about midway through the season where the main character who's an overweight woman ends up going to a pool party a pool party that is hosted by a fat woman for fat women and it's all these glorious full-figured beautiful women walking around poolside in bikinis drinking drinks eating food playing and splashing in the pool which for a lot of overweight women is like oh my god no you won't see me in a bathing suit i can't go to the pool i would never be caught dead in a bikini like my god that's something that's completely forbidden for me because of who i am because of what my body looks like and what everyone else will think and this episode i saw it and i was just like oh my god this makes me love myself this makes me love everything mm-hmm. about this show ever so much more because it's something that really, really touched me. Um, you know, I, I realized that, you know, I am a curvy person. I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm obese, but I, I think we all have issues putting on a bathing suit sometimes. And that's definitely one of them that's for accurate. me. <laughs> so it was, um, just that show, it does a really good job of touching on the issues of self-growth of, you know, moving past those stigmas that we think of ourselves, moving past those issues that we think, oh my gosh, well, who will ever love me or who will ever deal with me because of my size? Um, and just understanding that you can deserve better and you can do better for yourself and love yourself. So mm-hmm. there you go. I'm actually going to go back to the 80s. And it's funny <laughs> to think that there's not usually a lot of opportunities to do that and say, hey, they did something really awesome here. Um, well, actually, two shows, come to think of it. Yeah. Uh, well, the first one, The Goonies. Amazing, you know, having a group of kids where you have different cultures there, well represented of different body types that were all heroes, which was really awesome, especially as a kid, where mm-hmm. you had this really great opportunity to kind of celebrate all these different cultures, which was really great to see. I mean, you still saw them make a couple 80s faux pas but like for the same time though too it was same time kind of really ahead of the curve because to them it didn't matter if it was like oh this is you know uh data you know who's he's asian it didn't matter he was just one of their friends it just didn't it didn't matter the involvement in any of that stuff you know you had guys and girls that were all different some dorky some were the more popular types you had, you know, Chunk, who is the heavyset one. Downside, too, you have that horrible truffle kind of shuffle. nicknames and the Truffle Shuffle, yeah. too, that kind of mm-hmm. go into the mix. But, like, you still ultimately had him as one of the heroes. He wasn't just there to play for laughs. He was one of the ones that saved the day in the end. It was great to see. Stand By Me is also another one yeah. like that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the other one, too, Star Trek Next Generation. 
great, great, great inclusion of all different types where things just did not matter as far as what your race was, whether you were alien, you were human. It was all about promoting the best self-image for the galaxy. It was really great to see that all inclusion. The original Star Trek was designed that way, yeah, too. Exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. Gene Roddenberry, you know, that was his goal and yeah, mission. It was, was designed to, to be by, it was very, it was intentional. Yes. Um, That's cool. They, they they still kept very thin people. They did. But mm-hmm. I, I will, I will, I will let that slot. Yeah, <laughs> we chalk that up to kind of the cultural whole... era of the 1960s cultural, which actually if you look at it many of the actresses on that show on star trek would be considered too curvy for tv in like the 90s and early 2000s it's yeah. true mm-hmm. yeah and the reason i didn't bring up the 60s star trek as much as it was a little bit still a lot more about kirk's sexual conquest sometimes it, versus, I, no 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 i agree <laughs> with know, that um i was really referring to the crew itself right but the crew was itself designed and, to be international was, because we were we're an international. Yeah, it's we're now Earthlings. Yeah. Um, another one that I think does a really good job of showing some inclusion, but still kind of falls to some of the pitfalls of uh, sizest jokes is the Brooklyn Nine Nine. They have a yeah. great representation in their cast of different um, ethnicities, different cultures, different um, sexual orientation representation. Um, although you know Hitchcock and Scully do still get. The, mm-hmm. you know, the, the fat jokes and, and kind of the butt end of the jokes on that one. But they're really the only two white dudes on the cast. So, um, apart from Boyle and, no. um, Boyle and Peralta. Uh, Peralta's yeah. Jewish. And, that um, Boyle is actually, yeah, <laughs> true. Um, and, um, but it's, it's still technically sort of a different representation. And then I think Boyle, the actor who plays him is actually Hispanic. Really? I think so. Oh. Joel Latrugia. Yeah. yeah. Oh, neat. Yeah. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Cool. I was also going to say B99, but another <laughs> show that I have really loved recently, and I wish, I hope they can bring it back, is The One Day at a Time that was oh, on Netflix. Yes. It was amazing as far as representation yeah. went of different cultures and gender identities and body types. I just, I loved it so much. Like, um, I forget the name of the actress who plays the mom, but she's not a thin lady. She's not a stick figure. And they work through so many different things. Her daughter comes out as gay, dates a non-binary person, and they talk about pronouns. And it's just a really, really wonderful representation. It's It's a shame they canceled it. I'm so sad. I cried. Also, Rita Moreno's amazing and fabulous. Everything she does, like serious (laughs) freaking life goals, that woman. Um... I Bill. I do have one, uh, and I'm not sure if anybody else has watched this. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yes. yes. Actually, yes. So, I mean, you know, Rachel Bloom is not a, you know, not a stick figure woman. No. You know, she's, I'd say, more of your average woman. Yeah. Um, plus, then they have... Um, it's realistic sizing. Oh, my God. Right. Then her, her boss, or, or from, I can't remember his name, but he was, he's actually bisexual, Mm-hmm. Um, was Darryl? going out with the man. Daryl, yep, yeah. was going out with a man. Had a child. Had an ex-wife. Like yeah. there was a lot to there's a lot to unpack with that show. Yeah. Um, well, and her best friend is you know, pay up. Wait, what's her best friend's name? I don't remember. Paula. 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 Yes. Paula. There we go. I knew it started with a P. But um, 
yeah she also is a really great representation too i mean like all of them just are very like everyone feels mm-hmm. like normal they, they did have some problems with some of her love interests like just being the super ripped like josh chan yeah yeah and the second guy is like yeah. yeah it's like all right right but i really did love that josh Chan was Josh and that the other one was white Josh. Yes. Like that was just fantastic. Yeah. It was very well done. I know. It was really funny. I think I need to watch this show. Craziest Girlfriend, you would it's love it. All mus- they bust out into music all the time. There's Still a musical number every episode. Yes. Yeah. And I, the first time I watched it, I'm like, oh, this seems a little dumb. And then I sat down and gave it a couple episodes. I'm like, this is brilliant. I'm like, this is really enjoyable. I, I mean, and, and then, then in other things, they also delve into like, you know, mental disorders as well because yes. Yes. they do, you know, some serious mental problems that she has to get past so mm-hmm. which is not talked about at all no no in Ooh. most media things right yeah which is unfortunate because a lot of people you know experience these things yeah mm-hmm. should be absolutely um one of the ones i want to bring up um just because i think it's one of the most positive happy shows that exists on the face of the planet is great british bake-off yeah. um, <laughs> and again it's, it's hard to say that a cooking show does this but it's it's, tech, it's, it's a reality show that does well it's yes. a reality show that does Duh. well and every season has amazingly diverse casts oh and i know God, that's it and really it's because it really is purely based on talent in all walks of life but i love that even but that show nice helps promote like you even see like again just these really wonderfully positive open people of, around mm-hmm. them at all points in time like you see some you know just middle-aged white dads come out wearing tutus and be like hey i'm doing this to support my family and all these mm-hmm. things and just not being afraid to do stuff like that you see again every walk of life humanly possible you see so much great gay representation on that show the lgbt mm-hmm. is well 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 you know treated in in all walks of, of that show and again Every culture imaginable has been represented amazingly. Mm-hmm. And that show has played always so for so much positivity that it's just so great to see. It's very precious. It really, really is. <laughs> I can't speak about it because I've never watched it, and I really should. But I've heard so many good things about Steven Universe. Oh, Steven oh, Universe is great. I've My kids watch that show, and it's too. so good. I wish I could speak more because now it's just going to be dead air. I know. No, I'm in the same boat because I keep seeing stuff about it and I've never actually sat down and checked it out. But like the art's gorgeous. It looks really neat. It has like, a lot of really good representation for different um, different body types, but yeah. also uh, gender fluidity. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so, cool. And yeah, I know a lot of that. Awesome. There was a lot of that in, in Adventure Time too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I know good. that's. And have you seen the new she Yes. I have not I seen it yet, but it looks really, really, really cute and precious. And yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's done really well in this, um, the new Shira. They did a really good job to it. Yeah, I know it's already been picked up for. I think I believe it's season two, so I know they they're, yeah. they're already saying it's it's full steam ahead on the show. Mm-hmm. So that's really awesome. She looks like a girl rather than a. She does. She's just so Rather cute. Than the '80s variation, right? And I like know there was a lot super of super sexualized women, and you're like, <laughs> and there was a lot of pushback when that design came out. But I think the overall art style and the representation in the main characters has been really well done. That's awesome. Uh, and I think the similar designs are being used in the new Thundercats as well uh, that they're doing, which is a lot more. Um, super positive. They're going to revamp that again. Um, it, they already rebooted it. Yeah, yeah they did. They, well, they had the, at least the hypersexualized one. version of the characters is gone. No, it, I know, it, but like it, they already rebooted it. This is the third no, reboot. This is this. Well, no, this, this is, is reboot two. This is no. reboot number. 
They yes. Had... Oh, yeah, right. yeah, there was the original. Then there was the reboot. Okay, okay. That's fair. You're right. We're all right. saying the same thing. Right. It's this the third has, iteration. No lie. This has more of a Steven Universe Adventure Time look to the characters. So this would be the third iteration. Yes. This would be the third iteration. <laughs> Second reboot. <laughs> but I mean, look, look at Ninja Turtles. We're on, I think, like version six of those characters. So Are we That's including fair. the comic book versions, the original Turtles? With I think so. Silly cartoon. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to think about this too hard or I'm going to have a stroke. So it's okay. <laughs> um... But yeah, uh, any other big positive ones we want to bring up? Because I know there's a ton more. Yeah, I don't want to say this one is positive because there's so many problems with this show and, and their representation in the show as well. There can be good, good characters that still live in a universe that's flawed. So so it's uh, it's anime. It's My Hero Academia. Okay. okay. And, you know, kids are born, you know, most kids are born with quirks now. And... Uh, you know, the quirks are just special superpowers. And some of these quirk manifest themselves in weird ways, like growing an extra tail or growing like five extra limbs or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they and everybody is more more or less accepted on, you know, kind of the I would say the strength of how they can wield their quirks in society. Yeah. Um, rather than what they look like. But they do still have some decent number of problems with, you know. A lot of the women characters. Hey, look, this one has a very, very skimpy costume. Mm-hmm. And this one definitely utilizes her skimpy costume to get her ways. Like, okay. So yeah. there's problems like that. Yep, but yep. overall, it tries to teach a somewhat, you know, of a good message while still being very entertaining. Yeah. So I'm amazed oh, cool. and I'm not going to be the one to talk about it, but I'm going to just open the door and let you guys just jump oh, okay. in from there. And I, as I What's look at the, the three women opening? here, what? Wonder Woman, Captain Marvel. Oh, heck yeah. This is my jam. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Again, Captain Marvel and op- op- Wonder Woman. Yes. Again, op- I opened the door and I'm just, <laughs> I'm going to tap it and, and take a step back. So. Okay. So Wonder Woman, I absolutely adored because it was filmed by a woman for women. It was not mm-hmm. shot for the male gaze. I think we actually did an entire episode we did. We on did. Wonder yep, Woman. Yep. So I'm going to rehash a couple points that I Please absolutely do. love. Patty Jackson is amazing because... Uh, did I say Jackson or Jensen? Gen- uh, uh, Jenkins. 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 Sorry, there was vodka earlier. Patty something. Um, <laughs> Patty Jenkins is amazing because she took, um, she took a female hero and made her real. Mm-hmm. Um, you know... And again, Gal Gadot is gorgeous and she does have an amazing figure. But, you know, like when she does that superhero landing and you see a thigh jiggle, it's like, oh my God, like, no. She's real. She's real. She's real. Like, yeah. there's no, you know, most superhero, like most superhero women that you see, you would not see any ounce of body fat on them. And she actually, you know, she's strong, but she's still soft. And I think that's really, that almost comes to the core of who Wonder Woman is. Yeah. But not only that, you have the Amazons. Oh my and God. You sh- you have such awesome. a diverse sect of who these women are. You have the warriors who are not standing there in plate mail, like bikini armor. They're in actual like Greek style armor that, you know, wouldn't have killed them if they caught a sword to their solar plexus because they had boob plate. Or- <laughs> um, so not only that, but you have you have also, they showed the scholars, they showed just, you know, the women on the island of Themyscira. So um, I think that really added a whole lot of the representation to me. And then it wasn't just, you saw you saw strong women, but you saw fierce, strong warrior women. Mm-hmm. I always thought that in Black Panther, Black Panther um, the, the the guard, the royal guard, all the women were oh, royal um, guard. Oh, yes. Okoye. Okoye. And um, why can't just, No, their yeah, entire sure. guard. Um they were all they were all women. Yes, that's uh, true. The comics too. Yeah, I, I just thought that was uh, that was also really well done. These are like athletic women. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. um, absolutely. They did not look like 
They were fierce women of color. She would fuck you up. Yes. (laughs) Bald. Mm -hmm. Um, It's another thing we don't talk much about. Um, I have a relative who's going through treatments uh, for, mm-hmm. for cancer and she's losing her hair yeah and so that's tough mm-hmm. and I wanted I reminded my wife to remind her like you know bald can be beautiful too mm-hmm. yeah and it's another type of body type that we Hi. don't like. Rob's yeah. like hello like they can't oh. all see you Rob I know um, but even <laughs> they actually joke about that in the scene where they're in uh, Korea Oh, yes. And uh, they're going into the club, and Akoya has to wear a wig, and she's like, "I need to get this off my head." Like she was, she she hated it. And then when she, she goes to fight, she rips <laughs> she it off, and it's off. such yes. a glorious moment. It's but, absolutely uh-huh. glorious. She was gorgeous um, with no hair. It just was just a really um, yeah. again well done. With yeah. That kind of show. All right, Carol Danvers. Yes. Hello. This is my area of expertise. I for all of the maybe plot, not issues that Captain Marvel had, I still adored it as a movie because it was so important. It was revolutionary in the MCU. It really was. Because here you have a movie with a female lead. It is not meant for the male gaze at any point. Carol is her own person. She is tough. She is fierce. She's just so very badass. And... It's basically about how uh, Jude Law's character was was gaslighting her her whole life. And she comes to this realization that she is stronger than they have told her she is and she was meant to believe. And that one scene with the montage of her at all different ages standing up again. I'm getting oh choked up. I'm sorry. Same. Oh, my God. Like, same. I... It was just so powerful because it places all of the power in the hands of of this female character. And we don't always get that. I also very much adored the fact that they stayed fairly true to the most recent comics iteration of her outfit, of her uh, suit, even maybe feminizing it a little less in that they took away the little skirt thing that Jamie McKelvey had put into the original, but they kept her really badass helmet with the, you know, faux hawk of hair. And it was just so empowering on so many different levels. Um, so one thing that I found was really interesting is when they bring her up during Endgame and they have them all um, shown in the se- in the sequence when they're all like um, holograms in the little meeting and she has her short pixie cut hair. Mm-hmm. There was apparently a lot of male backlash, of course, because you had a woman with long hair who all of a sudden cut oh, it. God. Gasp. Oh, my God. Heaven forbid. Heaven forbid. How dare she? Um, because they said she wasn't hot anymore. Um to every person who is LGBTQ who was swooning, hi, myself included, <laughs> over Carol Danvers with the short hair. Oh my fucking god, she was hot with she's the short hair. She's a babe, hair. regardless yeah, of the length right? of her Can hair. Can you imagine telling uh-huh. Brie Larson that she's not hot because she doesn't have long hair? No, no, f that. <laughs> hair does not equal equate beauty. Any anybody can be beautiful regardless of the length of your hair. Cut. Um, I'm actually going to go a completely different topic, but um, one of the things that we actually haven't talked about with body positivity is um, like inclusion of, you know, prosthetics or like Mm. people who don't have limbs, things like that, Um, you know, different issues like that, you know, disabilities, stuff like that really, um, you know, when you see it visually, like it's just there's not much visual representation and I've actually... um, I've been reading some really great romance that's very inclusive with that. And it's been really eye-opening and just nice to have that. Um, One of my friends wrote a book. I read it like years ago, but she did like uh, Four Horsewomen of the Apocalypse. And it was really nice to see like the um, hero was missing um, part of his arm. 
you know? And that was just a, <laughs> there's a cat on the table. And that was just a normal part of the thing. It wasn't, and but it was just really nice to see uh, something different. Just. Yes, just really quickly, Broke I just on the table. wanted to say that that's an area where I think we definitely have a ways to go. An example in that I thought of off the top of my head is is uh, Clint in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He, yeah, in the comics, they have been very consistent recently with any Hawkeye storylines to make sure to include his hearing aids. And to make that a big part of his character. And they don't necessarily talk about it. It's just in the art. It's for you to find. That's cool. And it's not really mentioned as much in the movies as it has been represented in the comics. Um, So correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Bucky lose an arm? That's true. Bucky does have a metal arm. Mm -hmm. That's true. Um, I'm going to go into a weird place, but it's, it's still part of this is, you know, one of my things that I watch all the time, not to my you know, wife's enjoyment is Shark Week <laughs> all the time. Uh, but Don't one of my favorite it, researchers. The volume amount. Yes, it's just that is my go-to fall asleep because I'm like, yay, water and animals and nature. I'm like and sharks and sharks. Um, but one of my favorites is there is a a tax survivor who has become a massive advocate and a scientist and a researcher by the name of Paul de Gelder, uh, who is Australian. And he has lost a leg and an arm, and he has he goes and dives still with great whites almost every day, and has gone and is recently even last year took Ronda Rousey and said this is how you work with sharks. He's like this is I am a living proof of things that happens if you don't respect the environment that you're in. All these little pieces, but he's such this amazingly awesome hero that is just living and breathing among us all the time. Which is so awesome, especially with going through a traumatic experience like that. But comes out the other side is this this person that is now just just truly a massive inspiration. Uh, but I really really would highly recommend just looking him up again, Paul de Gelder, yeah. but really awesome individual. That's cool. Well, the one thing I, I remember watching recently is all the Iron Man movies have really helped children with prosthetic limbs, yeah, become Iron Man. Um, yes, and with these like superhero arms that's that they're really designing cute. to look like Iron Man arms yeah. oh rather God, than just adorable. like prosthetic. So they're like, now kids are jealous of them yeah. for their for the disability because now they get to have the cool right. I, I actually arm. And those are they're really neat. And I actually yeah. work in a field that is parallel to orthotics and prosthetics. So I get to see some of these things behind the scenes and it's truly inspirational watching how that really does turn around for people. And they did that with Battle Angel Alita as well. Like mm-hmm. on the premiere, they had this girl who's missing both of her arms at the the elbows, and yeah. they made her these really badass looking hands oh, and arms, cute. just like you know, so like the character in the that. movie almost. So that's awesome. And really I was like, like looking at it, it's like this is something straight out of sci-fi that we'd expect, you know, 20, 30 years from now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, any last ones we want to get in real quick before we go to the dark side? <laughs> yeah. Let's to do the it. dark side. All right, let's do it. So uh, what are some of the worst examples in pop culture? And I know there are many, and we could go on for a long period of time. Oh, so we're going to try to keep this limited to some <laughs> some point. Like I, so I think maybe a good opportunity here is, and I'm going to kick this off because it's a conversation I know a lot of us wanted to talk about at a point, was Thor and his representation in Avengers Endgame. I finally can say that I have a body like Thor. Body of nice. a god. Nice, yes. <laughs> Anybody can be a godly body. And honestly, 
I still thought he was really hot. Like I have no, Absolutely. I had no problem with the way he looked. Same here. Um, and you know what? The fact that he was recovering from depression didn't in any way for me. I, I wanted to go and cuddle him. Like I, I was know, like, can I, I have a, cor- a Thor cuddle puddle? Like please, yeah. that would be amazing. He can still get it. Heck yeah. Um, <laughs> but so like along with that, the thing that got to me, and I actually I think I posted about this a couple weeks ago, but yeah, the thing that got to me about it was. How they still kind of like you know made him the butt of the he was, joke. He became the yes. butt of the he joke. became a joke Again, a lot the of the problem. time, it's or he just... looked like the dude from uh, the Big Lebowski, or you know, or they're talking about that. You know, what what runs through my veins? Cheese whiz? Like no, like they made a lot of yeah. like, dumb jokes that but really. One, it's like I thought we were past yeah, that. We, Come on, I really guys. wish that they would have you know maybe been a little bit more empathetic on that side. However, yeah. I did like the fact that even at the end when he got his hammer back and he felt worthy again. He still got a little choked up about that. Um, that he didn't immediately revert back to like yeah. the godly. That would have been slash. That would have been face. really cliche because yeah. I think you know again we want to accept him who he is and yeah. we want to we want to love him for any of his godly statures. I'm just saying, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just thought it was so very insensitive how they didn't really acknowledge that this was because of a yeah. traumatic event it was ptsd that's what bothered me and he I'm was like... still the butt of the joke uh-huh. that's well, what bothered like me more than is anything suffering right. you, so maybe let's not yeah. make fun you can of basically for... there there's only one laugh that would have been acceptable in that and it's kind of the shock reveal of it because you're like i just didn't see that coming and you yeah you're gonna get that from a lot of people because it's a massive character change and sure. it, you don't see it coming and a lot of times people are going to respond to that with from a from a place of humor but then within moments you understood what was going on and like oh this is not a joke yeah and then you can go okay this is this is the case but yeah you're right it's a massive problem that it it fell down that hole like Mm -hmm. anytime that there was any characters involved with him whether it was rocket whether it was uh james and was even his mom you know like making those little comments and digs you're like come on guys like and it's funny too because ultimately from what i understand Chris Hemsworth actually had to fight to make sure that they didn't change his character back before the end of the film. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. I actually loved that they didn't yeah, change him back. I did too. That I was apparently that was his really call to make thing. sure that it didn't happen. Good. So. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, the floor is open. Oh, yeah, so. I know. <laughs> Bad stuff. Bad stuff. Okay. I did so honest. much writing and stuff before this, and now I'm trying to think of like ah. bad examples. <laughs> There's so many, yeah, and there's like also like so, there are so few good examples, and I think that's the problem, like because uh, there because it's been so so one of the things that really is kind of that I think this country does a really poor job of is just a lack of of Latino Latinas in culture. There's a lot of Latinas and a lot of Latinos in this country, and yeah. I just see white people everywhere and it's just, it's just <laughs> so sad. That's why I mentioned before, I loved one day at a time. Another yes. show with great Latinx representation was Jane the Virgin. I adored that show. It was very well done, Yeah, but I agree. There's definitely a lack of it. I mean, luckily I think ensemble casts are getting better. B99 we talked about, mm-hmm. but there's still a distinct lack of, of I, representation. I think- I'm trying to think uh, from Ah, from The Flash, Cisco. Yes. Cisco, yeah. he yes. was really good repre- representation on that. Again, um, another one is Brooklyn Nine-Nine. They have uh, a good few uh, Latinx characters as well. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, yeah, I mean, like you're saying, it's there's definitely a lack of representation for Latinx. Uh, even just like bringing in culture of of from Latin America too. Just yeah. just because you happen to be of Latin descent doesn't. It's not to me that you could do more. You mm-hmm. could be better. Yeah. Um. I always feel this country just. You have these executives in these very high level positions that are just terrified to make any kind of waves anywhere. And they did yeah. something ten years ago that it worked, and they're just going to keep chugging that crud mm-hmm. out over and over it's like if you take a chance with people yeah you will find that people respond very well just look at the netflix shows that mm-hmm. took risks um along with that you're talking about like executives in hollywood oh my god the history of whitewashing hollywood yes. is oh ridiculous god, i mean for christ's sake you have john wayne playing genghis khan um uh, like yes that, it's horrible for casting anybody who was not, even if you're casting somebody who is Latinx or who is Native American, oh my God, even African American, we're talking historically from the beginning of the film industry, you mm-hmm. have white people in makeup playing them and it's mm-hmm. offensive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> whereas, and, it, and again, now you're even, ta- you're even seeing that with characters who are trans and they're not getting trans actors to yeah. play trans mm-hmm. characters and that's, that's damaging and not okay. One of the best examples of something positive and I... Just we forgot hug, about that. Yeah. Hug the CW because they have a trans superhero played by a trans Yay! actress, which is Dreamer in Supergirl. Wonderful. She's adorable and is just a force to be reckoned with. And it had one of the best scenes in the entire season. <gasps> that was where a really she had this gorgeous scene. sequence where she got to like really just kind of pour her heart out during the interview. And it, like your soul was just melted because she was just like so just wonderfully just charismatic and beautiful and stunning. Um, but they they've been making so many great strides uh, on the the DC side. Like we have Batwoman that's coming out that's played by. I am a, so excited for that. We we have um, Ruby Rose who is such an awesome actress, um, and you know she's getting to portray an LGBTQ character, and she is somebody that oh my god my brain just blanked. Um, Ah. Oh my god. She was an orange, it, well, even black. yes, but um oh my god. Who are we talking about? What are you talking about? What are you that trying one? to reach for? Um Ruby Rose, how she identifies herself. Crap. She's gender fluid. Gender fluid. Sorry, yeah. that was on the tip of my tongue and it just got it's okay. twisted in my brain. I'm like, oh my god, don't say this wrong. Um but she's she's gender fluid and one of the things that is is awesome is they're making sure that they're able to represent you know the audiences in such a great way. The downside is she also got a lot of heat. Where even um, that community kind of blew back up in her face and said, you're gender fluid. You can't play a lesbian. And I'm like, she's just like, she's like, what the fuck, guys? Like, (laughs) and it's kind of like, I think just our culture needs to see positive change. And when they do see something positive. Again, it's celebrate. Go back to celebrate, don't, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to nitpick when something's being done well and you celebrate it for what it is. And if you want to see more inclusion, let the people that are creating the content know that you're like, well, I would really like to see them also do X. Mm-hmm. But that show is going to potentially, when it comes out this fall, is going to be some of the best inclusion that's going to be on TV. It's so it's going to be so amazing to watch that play. So, um, All right. What we're at about an hour and forty. <laughs> I would really like to touch on the next topic, which is uh. cosplay, because I know you guys want to talk quite a bit about this. So let's get make sure we oh, get a chance man. to squeeze this in, and not squeeze it in, but like really get an yeah, opportunity yeah. to really kind of explore this a bit. So 
Cosplay has been a major target in pop culture for several years because there's so much harassment becoming incredibly common due to issues surrounding consent, uh, exclusions of persons of color, crossplay, all these pieces. Um, why do we think this is? Why do we think, uh, what can that community do to kind of start repairing a really hostile environment? Um, start with Jess and then we'll jump to Kat. Okay. Um, so cosplay is not consent. Yeah. yeah. Straight up. Full stop. And I think the problem arises when people feel like they own the character mm-hmm. or own the franchise because of their familiarity with it or their feelings on it. And I understand that. I understand the need to identify with pop culture characters and to feel so closely aligned with them. But at the same time, this person might be cosplaying as this certain character, but they are not that character. They are their own person. And regardless of whether they are in full plate mail or of something that is much more revealing that does not give anyone the right to approach them in a way that makes them feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, from personal experience, just watching... Um, I used to go to Otakon every year, the anime convention, and I mean, people, you know dress up like the characters the stuff like and everything like that but the problem is like when you only have like i remember my cousin and i trying to figure out what characters we were going to be right and we're going off of body type and things like that and when you have such a limited scope for people to fit into that's really problematic and then you take it to a public sphere where i would watch like you know there would be a bigger guy who dressed as goku and people were like oh the fat guy is being goku haha and like making fun of him for it and that's really it's just cruel it doesn't make any sense and when you you know keep people out from like from something like that and then continue to try to keep them out when they try to include themselves in it. It's just mean. The one thing I wanted to just touch base on following up with Jessica said, um, with the consent, I also feel that people forget that they're people yeah. behind yes. the cosplay. They're Absolutely. not objects yes. because they're used to viewing them as objects. Some literally have toys of that character. Right. They are physical objects that they're used to manipulating. And they're used to seeing them on screens. And there are a lot of shows that were designed for an audience of male fantasy. And so there's this, there's this disconnect and it's really unfortunate and it requires education and it requires people to listen and respect people and remember Mm -hmm. that there is a human person. Would you do that to your mom? Would you do that to your grandmom? Think about what you're doing out there. Yeah. I just wanted to piggyback off of what Kat said really quick in that the, the, the scope is so limited for mm-hmm. cosplay. I really feel like it's gotten better, but it's still so limited. And to get a little personal, I've probably cosplayed less than I would like to because I wouldn't want to necessarily, I want to be that character. I don't want people to see me as the fat version of that character. Yeah. You know, and that's something that I've struggled with and had to deal with. And I know that we've seen strides in a positive direction, but it's still the reality that people see a character in a specific way. And if you don't fit that very narrow definition, mm-hmm. people feel like you don't have any business play cosplaying that character. And that is incorrect. Yeah. 
I will tell you that when you showed up as Princess Anna at my daughter's seventh birthday, she <laughs> lost her little girl that was mind. One of my favorite thing ever. <laughs> honestly, one of my absolute favorite memories Aww. as her mom um, was watching you come in in your perfect Disney princess voice and singing all the Frozen songs with Lily and her friends. Was like honestly, if I if I could ever just. I can't ever thank you enough for that because like she just like watching my daughter like literally fangirl her heart out and lose her little girl mind. <laughs> it was one of over Anna showing up at her party. My favorite moments awesome. ever. That hug, that initial <laughs> hug was just the best. <laughs> um, but along with that, just talking about cosplay in general, um, acceptance of people of all sizes wanting to portray a character that they love. It yeah. shouldn't matter if you're a size two or a size 22. If you want to put, if you put the effort into making that outfit and putting all that together, and getting putting yourself out there that's brave yeah and to have somebody just tear you down because of oh you're too skinny to play that character or you're too fat to cosplay that character mm-hmm. people need to respect each other and you know in a, yeah. in a community that really thrives on creativity willing suspension of disbelief <laughs> willing suspension right. of disbelief yeah. you're already willing to believe that you know these characters can shoot lightning out of their hands or whatever like, <laughs> can we please just accept the fact that there are real humans who want to dress up like that right i love the creativity that people put into their cosplays um you know and especially uh, i think i know where the problem lies because it's a problem that i have but mm-hmm. I know how to separate it from the appreciation of other people's cosplays and the appreciation of my own is that the fact I'm a perfectionist. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if I want to do a cosplay, I want that character to be exactly like the character as I envision them. Yeah. And But I don't project that onto other people who choose to do their own cosplays. I love yeah. what they do. I love the things that they put into it. The only thing that I think I want to see out of people is to make sure that they put the best that they can into that costume when they yeah, make it. Yeah, Absolutely. And I just want to make sure, going off of what Jada said as well, I would also like to include different races, different ethnicities within that umbrella. Let Hermione Granger be black. It literally does not cost you anything else, you personally, to let someone else cosplay as the character they want to be. Along with that, to piggyback off of what you're saying, which is <laughs> what I was going to say, um, is actually thinking about racial sensitivity. If you are a person who has not been marginalized and you are going to cosplay as, say, T'Challa and you're a white guy, maybe think about your audience and check your privilege. Check yeah. your privilege. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cultural appropriation is really kind of important to keep in mind sometimes. Absolutely. But it doesn't mean that you're not allowed to express and create a version of the character that speaks to you, though, too. But just make sure that you're putting some thought into it emotionally. Mm-hmm. And how it may impact the people around you. Yeah. Um, but that does not mean that it's not okay to try some things and be able to to work with things and create a new unique version that's maybe something special for you. Mm-hmm. But again, make sure to have that thought in your head before you take the step. But it doesn't mean that there can't be a, a Comic-Con, a Black Thor, because that's fucking awesome. Amazing, Do it. yes. But, you know, mm-hmm. think about history, though, at the same time a exactly. little bit. Just not in the... The reverse of it in a bad way, but I mean, I'm saying, yeah, be 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 careful about your decisions. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, a dear friend of mine who is uh, gender fluid themselves, they cosplay, and they're actually kind of a bit of a celebrity in the cosplay world. Uh, they do a ton of anime cosplay, and when she cosplays, she is amazing. Everything mm-hmm. is down to the minutia of detail, Gorgeous, and yeah. just insane and so beautiful and just can represent such a wide variety of characters because they don't let gender limit them so it's Mm -hmm. really interesting to see you know how sometimes like okay i consider myself cis female 
would I feel comfortable dressing as a male or a non-binary character? Maybe or maybe not, but why is that? So sometimes am I letting my gender limit me in that? Um, so sometimes it's kind of letting go of those things. And again, that willing suspension of disbelief and allowing mm-hmm. ourselves to let our imaginations take care of, you know, take care of ourselves and really, you know, uplifting everybody else around us instead of slamming people down. Yeah. I think really the big thing is to remind yourselves when you're thinking about cosplay is it's about the celebration of the characters and the celebration of the makers. Yeah. And I think that's the two most important things about about it always. And it's 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 really, again, it's this wonderful celebration of geek culture and the people that love it so much. And again, it's just reminding yourselves when you go to a show, just like Jess, you said, it's all about cosplay is consent. When you see somebody dressed as a character that you love and you love the work that they did or the way that they actually are representing that character, go up to them, say hello, but... Do it from a really good perspective. Be respectful. Be respectful. Ask them, can you take their picture or you can shake their hand or things like that. And be respectful of the fact that they may say no. That's actually really important. And it's incredibly important to think about. Um, So one of my favorite memories of going to the Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair with my daughter when she was maybe two or three is we saw a, um, a trans individual portraying themselves as Snow White. Mm -hmm. And oh my God, they had, and it was, Period appropriate, not Disney princess esque Snow White. It was period appropriate oh, wow. Snow White That's for like cool. what the fourteenth century would have looked like. And yeah. oh my God, she looked amazing. And I just remember my like three year old daughter looking up at me with these innocent eyes of like, "Mommy, look a princess." And, and oh. you know, she said, "Can we go talk to Snow White?" And I said, "Well, we have to ask her if it's okay." So we went <laughs> and we asked Snow White if she was if if we could say hi with if we could say hi to her if Lily could say hi to her. And she was so gracious and so beautiful. And it like to this day, it brings me tears. And then years later, when we've done our um, DC ladies at the Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair, Mm -hmm. um, probably one of my favorite things to do is when we go and I dress as Wonder Woman, I wear my my Renaissance Wonder Woman dress, is all of the little girls who come up to me and all Mm -hmm. of the moms who come up to me and people asking if they can, you know, take a picture with me or whatever. And it's usually like, you know, little girls or adolescent girls Mm -hmm. because to them in that moment, I'm Wonder Woman. And that's pretty huge responsibility to me. Like that's not something I take lightly. So I don't do a lot of cosplay, but that's one that really stands out. And it's really poignant to me. And I hope that, you know, they might see me as somebody who maybe isn't as felt as Gal Gadot, but can still be fierce and can still be beautiful and can still be Wonder Woman no matter what size I am. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, Any last points on cosplay that anybody wants to bring up? No. Mm-hmm. All right. No, so we're going to at least touch on this quickly because I think it's still important to touch on, uh, which is kind of um, fitness for geeks uh, and then kind of what type of geeky activities are out there if somebody is actively trying to improve their quality of life, but still engage in their passions. Um, because I think that's a really cool way to do it. And Bill and Kat are making weird gestures. <laughs> you know what I'm thinking, Kat. No, I don't. DDR. Oh, dinner. Ah. The dinners. That was my geek fitness. For for those not aware, DDR's Dance Dance Revolution. Dinners. I I mean, it's definitely not. Not diddles. Not not diddles. No, not that. It's not the. That's a different kind of exercise. I can't say it's the I can't say it's the OG of geek fitness, but it feels like it the is. OG of geek fitness. It is the OG of Bop geek Bar, fitness. Bop Larp would be probably number That's one. True. Yeah. But I would say DDR is probably you know, in really terms of Jitters in terms is. of video games. Well, okay. Not the very first, because there was the power pad. Oh, yes. I remember that. I yeah. love the power pad. And I would just go like <laughs> <laughs> running. So crazy, running. 
Uh, and my parents thought the the you know second floor was gonna fall down. Yep, I, I got that uh, too a lot, so it's okay. <laughs> but yeah, DDR is really where I started my like you know kind of geek fit. You know, me too. Drive that because was... it was like okay, you're gonna be pounding on this pad for you know a minute and a half with your feet going a mile a minute and oh my god it was oh insane. my god getting off at the end was Joel like and i, I would am like dying. my cousin yeah my cousin dying. and i would like <laughs> <laughs> yeah my cousin and i would do ddr for like entire nights it was really bad <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking about phrasing now. <laughs> yep. Aaron. Uh, sure. So some I've been doing some geeky fitness recently. You and I oh, both do some geeky fitness it, together. It, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Again, phrasing. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we hit each other with sticks. Yes, we hit phrasing. each other with sticks. <laughs> um, <laughs> did, you, did you get off at the end of it? Uh, yeah, yeah. We get sweaty. Anyway... Um, <laughs> That's definitely one thing that's a lot of fun, actually. Um, Rob and I are doing uh, like a stick fighting class, which is also um, foundations for like sword fighting and stuff. But any of that kind of exercise is yeah. Last last couple weeks, it was like oh, this is just grown people hitting each other with sticks, essentially. And then last week, we're like, oh no, this is stand-ins for so much more than we realized. Yes, yes. Which our brains were like, oh, we've been doing stuff with daggers, and we've been doing stuff essentially with battle axes and 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 spears and spears and and halberds, and we're like, oh crap, that's why we've been doing this foundation work the way we have been. And it's been really a lot of fun, um, both uh, as a learning experience as well as an exercise experience. Yes. And I think it's one of the best ways to exercise is if you can have fun while doing it. Yeah. Um, especially if you can get any kind of your but you things you're passionate about. Yeah, um, yeah. Like one, another thing that's, that actually is a lot of exercise for me that I am actually like that's kind of geeky um, is forging, um, building things oh, out of nice. metal. Uh, that takes cool. a lot of energy. Um, well, I yeah. can swinging a hammer for I, that. I, I, really can, does. I can tell you real quick that we've decided, Paul and I, originally before we started this, um, Fesh, who's on the show uh, as well, um, that once we finish curriculum one, we're all going to probably go to the Drunken Smithy and forge our own swords for the first time because it's a uh, Kind of the end of the start of this. He's got a machete class mm-hmm. right now. So <laughs> four hours. Hey, like I'm just saying. That's like um, sword. So anyway, Gina. my first love as far as geek fitness, I would say, is Color Guard because you want to talk about being like the you know, we we were kind of the outcasts. I mean, band geeks in general. We we were kind of like the geeky nerdy music kids. Um, I actually left cheerleading. Yes, you heard me correctly. I quit <gasps> cheerleading to join Color Guard because to me it incorporated more dance. It incorporated you did more different routines. It wasn't the same cheers year after year after year. Um, and it was a lot more inclusive. I had gay friends in Color Guard. I had trans friends in Color Guard. Um, and, you know, I've, I still have a lot of lasting friendships, but along with that, you're flinging equipment in the air and it's highly... It, it's highly athletic and it's led to so many different aspects of um, elements of other geek fitness things. For me, once I started boffer LARPing, I went to my friend who was making weapons at that time and I said, I want you to make me a polearm staff. And he said, what? And I said, I want it to be six foot tall and I want it weighted with a bolt and three washers at the top and a bolt and two washers at the bottom. And he said, that's going to be really heavy. You know, you're small, right? And I was like, no, this is exactly how I want it because that's exactly how my color guard flags were weighted. And I'm used to running around a football field with that flinging it in the air. Yeah. And he was like, done and done. And then he saw me <laughs> fight with it and he was like, yeah, no, that's perfect for you. That's so awesome. um, along with that, um, lightsaber classes have been, lightsaber fitness classes have been popping up everywhere. There's a certification nice. that I'm dying to take up in New York City um, that I'm like, 
I, I know, you know, if I got certified to teach lightsaber combat, my husband would be all over that. But um, <laughs> I would 100 percent sign yes. up for that. Class. That is actually it's our true. goal. Is we have another friend that is learning HEMA, and we have decided that once we know enough, that we are going to look at the seven styles of lightsaber yes. combat that actually exist in the Star Wars universe. Yes, yes, yes. And That's say, awesome. out of what we know, what can we put together and say this is our thing that we will teach. Well, honestly, yeah. once I started looking at a lot of the videos and tricks and stuff that they would show, I was like, oh, that's just a butterfly with a backflip catch. I can do that because <laughs> I did it in color guard. So, um, yeah, tag me in on that. Um, also, for me, you know, being in dance fitness for the past six or seven years, um, I really love that Zumba. You don't think about it as geeky, but it is very inclusive. It's not just about, you know, dance fitness isn't always just about being stick thin and getting that svelte body type. It's about community. It's about lifting each other up. It's about dance. And you listen to some of the songs, they sing about curvaceous women, which I'm all about because that's me. So I like being celebrated for what I dance. And now I'm also expanding that with Bombay Jam, which is um, centric in Indian culture and Bollywood movies, which are a lot more culturally inclusive. It's not my culture, but I love that I got to learn firsthand from the Bombay Jam team. And I got to mm-hmm. really experience Bollywood movies, which are kind of their own realm of geekiness, if you're really into that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's my take on geek fitness. Uh, yeah. For me, actually, I will say um, VR gaming is really kind of fantastic <laughs> because a lot of that is yeah. forcing you to get up and move and do things. And you can still be playing a video game just like... It, playing DDR or something like that, but it's, I've gone into a VR session and played for like an hour and a half and we're just drenched head to toe. Beat Saber is one of my favorite things to play. Like it is, that game will make you sweat your ass off and I need to play more of it like again now because they just came out with an Imagine Dragons pack. So you can use all your stick fighting skills. Seriously. (laughs) This is a little bit of book geek fitness, I guess, but it's more, um, I used to bait myself to go on walks by bringing my Kindle with me and just reading while I walked the trails, <laughs> which I mean, I knew them really well, so I wasn't like veering off into ditches or anything. But yeah, just reading would help. Uh, you could, books on tape out. too would do the same thing. It's true, but I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> reading, and, reading and walking at the same time is not recommended by the caffeine crew. <laughs> I, I, I tend to, to listen to when I that exercise makes alone. It's a I good way, yeah. Did you try this on a treadmill, maybe? No. Okay. <laughs> I like to live life on the wild side. <laughs> but again, yeah, Audible is a really safe alternative to that. Or you can listen to your favorite podcast while going on a truck. Yeah. <laughs> Just do that while walking around your backyard and not like on the side of the road, please. <laughs> No, she does this on the side of the road. <laughs> yeah, these are Pennsylvania roads with no shoulders. Yeah, good job, Kat. <laughs> Jess, do you have any? My thing was always theater. Um, I've done community theater since I was able to do community theater, and <laughs> that has its own entire spectrum of geekdom that gets associated with it. But, I mean, you're still up. You're moving. You're learning blocking. You're learning choreography. In the theater that was my home theater, it was a very small, old historical house. So our green room was downstairs. And in order to get from on stage to the green room, you had to walk up and down a ladder. <laughs> I know oh that ladder. I know you know that ladder. I I mean, and you have to you have to know how to walk up that ladder with props. You know have to in know heels. how to walk up that ladder in oh character God. shoes. So there's a lot of, of activity that's involved in it. And I mean we were we were a community theater, so we weren't, you know, 
swinging around doing acrobatics, but we still got up and moved. And I, yeah. I've always really very much loved that about theater. That's, That's awesome. Yeah. Um, you know what? I think we're going to actually put a pin in the episode here. I was going to try to put a little something else in, but we're at two hours and I think we kind of <laughs> did end out at a really nice positive place. Uh, so why don't we move into our MFK? And I tried to pick some really fun characters that I thought were very actually body positive characters, uh, which is actually Pam from Archer because make no bones about it. She is fierce. It's fucking awesome. Um, Thor from Avengers Endgame. And then I figured we throw in Charles Boyle from Brooklyn Nine-Nine because he's an average person. And I think that's something that's forgotten a lot of times in body positivity is just being average doesn't mean you have to be a ripped Adonis or anything well, like this. Well, he's actually considered, you know, because they will comment on him being more effeminate and stuff yeah. like that, too. I mean, like, he doesn't fit the typical Yeah, he's a little chubby. He's, he's, he's more he's of an shorter. effeminate character. Shorter, yeah. you know, like, and it's really awesome to see, again, that really awesome inclusivity. So, uh, so who would like to kick us off for tonight? And we're going to say for this one, we're not going to kill anybody. We'll... We can kill yeah. Okay. We can kill people. We're not we killing. Kill sure. Yeah. Come on, Rob. Okay, That's all about the death. All right. I was going to say, I was like, I don't know who, I was going to say a nice positive episode, but everyone was like, no, I'll kill no. them all. Murder. Tradition, <laughs> Rob. Okay, fine. Sure. Traditional um, murder continues. Aaron. Sure. Let's start with two I'd fuck. Um, <laughs> Pam, because I think she'd be crazy. Oh, um, my God. Pam being <laughs> And I think that would just be a crazy wild night, and it would be a, a night you would never forget. Uh, I would marry Thick Thor because that would be awesome to cuddle with. Uh, Aww. We'd just be a big gold cuddle party. So we got precious. the beards. It's, it's a good thing. That's amazing. You braid them together? Braid them, yes. yes. We would braid each other. We would braid them together because they eat. You know, it's a thing. <laughs> and sorry, Chuck. Oh. <laughs> He's nice. He is nice. He is really nice. But, but it's gotta go. <laughs> Jada. All right. Okay. So this might sound a little bit backwards. I'm sorry, Boyle. I I can't marry or fuck him because while I'm sure he would make an amazing husband, he's just a little too extra for me when it comes yeah. to like the clinginess. <laughs> like he's just a little too eager to please. And while sometimes I like that, I'm also kind of like, back off. Um, so he'd have to go. I would definitely fuck Thor. I'd fuck any incarnation of Thor. <laughs> totally, yes, that is a thing. Um, and godly bodies in general, but yes. And, well, honestly, I'd probably marry Pam because, you know, I've seen some of the episodes with her family, and that bitch is loyal as fuck. And I'm sure she'd be crazy in the sack, too. So, I mean, I'd, I'd marry her for that as well, too. But, yeah, I'd marry she, Pam. She'd also defend you. Yeah, hell yeah. That's true. She's, she would she's a hellcat. She, she would not let me die in any situation. She, she would not She'd have any back. bones about putting another marker on her back for somebody <laughs> that she's put down. Hell yeah. And you know what? I mean, like, she's punched a cow square in the face, so I know she can take a fight. Like, she would defend my honor to the last, I'm sure of it. She really would. Anybody else ready to yeah, rock? Sure, Go sure. Ahead. So I'm going to follow this train. I'm sorry, s- Boyle. I'm sorry, Boyle. <laughs> Boyle's just going to die. Uh, I would fuck Thor and hopefully survive the lightning. <laughs> Ride that lightning, Ride the lightning. Hell yeah. 
And then you marry Pam. Uh, didn't she also like have some outs with the Yakuza? Yes. 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 And live to tell the tale? Yes. Yeah. So, That's she, why she you marry them. her. Right? Yeah. She's a survivor. She'll make sure you live. Right. And yeah. then she'll, you know, bring donuts in the morning. Absolutely. So. Just make sure they're not <laughs> frosted with powder. Just... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, I yeah. And, and I, 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 I'd support Pam through through every phase of her life. Through, you know, her, her crazy skinny Coke phase. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Even now, with I haven't watched the current season with her thing phase. Yeah, what? she's they're doing uh, Archer nineteen ninety nine, so she, essentially she's the thing from Marvel. You know, like from Marvel. Essentially, yeah. what they did because they basically the last couple seasons of Archer have been weird. We'll just leave it at that. All, all the seasons of Archer have been weird. This, I mean, that's to be fair. Th- th- this is a sci fi nineteen ninety nine pseudo future bent that they they're on on this season. Interesting. So continuing the things of like Danger Island and Dreamland uh-huh. and stuff like that, where they've been doing alternate versions of the characters. Nice. So, Jess. yes. Um, sorry, Boyle. <laughs> I I just he's got to go. In in my case, I agree with Aaron. You fuck Pam because I mean you know that's gonna be you know she's a freak, uh-huh. absolutely one hundred percent. And as stated before, Thor can get it repeatedly. <laughs> so you marry Thor. I mean, I mean, everyone on and that show has, has either way. Hair. The cuddles are gonna be great, right? Cat, I'm killing Boyle too, and I feel so bad. <laughs> But it's uh Robleson. Don't worry, Robleson. Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's such a sweetheart and he would he would make good husband material. But again, like Jada was saying, it's the clinginess, it's a little just it's too he, much. He makes a great sourdough. He does make a great sourdough. <laughs> or the Boyle family mash. That's yeah. hard to oh. do. The sourdough starter. Yeah. But um yeah, I would I would fuck Pam. Because again, yeah, Pam's a freak. Like she's awesome with that. So, and then I would marry Thor, mostly because um, originally I probably wouldn't have, because in his first movie I wasn't a huge fan. But then, like after Thor Ragnarok and on, like him in Ragnarok and Endgame, he's just a puppy dog. We love it's a good adorable. character arc. Yes, we, we do. love a good character. Arc. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, Boyle. No! <laughs> <laughs> Is this Again, the first, like, around Robin? Like, I think we all, for the very first time, killed the same person. So. I feel like it may have happened it might like have that happened once. Maybe once or twice before. Did we all kill Cruella de Vil? I think, no. I think we did. No, cause, cause oh, no I, think, I think I did. I think, <laughs> like a monster. Yeah. I got yelled at for it, too. She got that money. She got that money. He was going to He was gonna reform her. <laughs> no. Right. No, I said, I said we were going to be cat people. That's yeah. what it was. Uh-huh. Yes, cat people. So, Not spotted cats. But no, um, yeah, um, no, Boyle, I think, again, the reasoning is, is if you ended up marrying him, if he was like, hey, I'm going to cook dinner tonight. And Boyle's choices in food sometimes oh. are a little terrifying. Uh, but again, I, he's kind of like would be helicopter spouse. I yes, think it would be yes. like you, you like hear about him. like how he even talks about his son Milos, and you're like, oh dear, Nikolash. Oh, Nikolash. That's Nikolash. right, yeah. Nikolash. Got and you're wrong, like, Rob. It's been a while since I watched so that. Mad at you, Nikolash. 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 But it's been. I, 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 it's. I don't think I could deal with that just at all. That would be terrifying. <laughs> um, and then you'd have Jake Peralta come into your place all the time. 
Yeah, that would be a little bit much. I'm like, or it's like, sorry, I gotta go. I gotta do this thing for Jake. I'm like, again, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Jake would be the other woman in your yeah. relationship. Oh it would just it would be, be no too guy. much. It would be too much. So and then you'd yeah. also have to deal with like over anxious Amy Santiago at the same time. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's like dinner party. Like, who was smoking in the bathroom? Amy, was it at you again? <laughs> you know? it's, just, it's, it's just a wrong. It's not gonna work out. Um, I think you fuck Thor. Because again, Thor. all the cuddles and you just again you ride the lightning. Ride that lightning. Yeah. Uh, and originally you go in for the the plan to fuck Thor or not fuck Thor, but uh, fuck Pam. But then you know Green Russians are involved some way, shape, or form, and then you end up married. And that's just how that happens. So, all you know is it was a really wild night that you can't quite remember, but you ended up in Vegas somehow. And, and then a legal street race. And, and then yeah, you know. yeah. It's kind of like it would be kind of like that wake up and like you go through the sequences of the first hangover, and not the two that followed. But yeah. and you're like. <laughs> Apparently, I got married last night. How but, was, oh. but then it turns out to be pretty but successful. It pretty because, awesome. I mean, yeah. she can punch a cow in the face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is hardcore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, she knows how to get rid of bodies. I'm just saying. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. it, very, very, very win-win. Again, you're right, though. No powdered, powdered donuts. That would There's be no powdered donuts. <laughs> no, so. Avoid the powdered donuts. That's all. Yeah. Um, all right. So, we'll kick around the room. Everybody can just discuss real quick what's going on in their lives. And we'll get the hell out of here. And then we'll come back around next month and do it again. So, Bill. <laughs> Nicolas. Um, no. Nicolas. Nicolas. Uh, I just uh, redid my computer rig and That's am pretty. very excited. And hopefully, maybe, I don't know if I'm ever going to have the time to actually stream some of the shit I play, but I'd really like to do that. Aww. Do the yeah. thing. Yay. Yeah, do the do thing. Do the thing. Making more content. Yay. Yay. Woo-hoo. Jess. I am currently going to be unpacking my house for the rest of forever. (laughs) (laughs) And I would also like to buy nice things for the house. So if you have any editorial needs, (laughs) I'm going to plug my editorial services. You can hit me up at jessicajrasana.com. And uh, yeah, that's it. Kat? Um, I have books. We're not going to do this again, so you actually, we believe in Um, you. You can do it. So Taking Root is coming out, look, I did it, is coming out July 16th. Um, That is, actually, I talked about it on our Myth podcast, I guess, a year or two ago. Um, But it is contemporary romance retellings of Greek myths. So the first one is Daphne and Apollo. The second one is uh, Hades and Persephone. Just got to wing that in there. But yeah, so I'm excited for that to come out. I'm also excited to kick off a new series. And then the final um, Tribal Spirits book, Forged Redemption, will be coming out October 1st. Yay! And you just had like nine books, it feels like, that just came out in the last two months. They did. Yes. Yeah, there were a lot of them. Yes. (laughs) So... Uh, so to search Catherine McIntyre on Amazon. It's find true. All the books. Yeah. Because <laughs> cool. you're crazy talented. <laughs> Jada. Hi. So um, just your average body positivity dance fitness instructor over here, Woo-hoo! mild-mannered mother of three at your service. Um, so what I've been up to lately is dancing, learning new choreography, and more dancing. I am currently teaching Bombay Jam at the Brandywine YMCA both Sunday mornings at 11.30, so y'all, you can go out the night before, sleep in, and still get your workout in, cardio and toning, 11.30 to 12.30. 
um, and then hit up brunch afterwards. It'll be great. And then I also teach Tuesday nights, also at the Brand New YMCA at 7.15. So if you miss my Sunday class, come and check me out. Um, and then occasionally I get tapped in to sub for my mentor at the Vibe Vault Fit Studio in Exton, which is badass. And if you don't, if you've never taken a class there, please do so. It's an incredible studio and they have incredible instructors. And I'm very lucky to have such amazing mentors um, so close at hand. So that's my life. Other than that, um, momming a lot, you know, momming ain't easy and uh, getting my kids set up for summer and camp, camp, camps. And my daughter who's in Scouts BSA is working towards some cool new merit badges, as is my son. And my little guy who's on the autism spectrum is going back to preschool. So we're doing some good stuff for him too. Awesome. There you go. That's my life. Hey, Aaron. <laughs> I'm not in trouble yet. I'm good. Um, so, personally, I've been looking to make the best me I can be. I've been doing a lot of fitness lately, um, including the geeky fitness of stick classes with you. Mm-hmm. Um, Still phrasing. <laughs> I put together four sticks made the other day. Mm-hmm. So, having fun doing that to practice with. And... Other than that, trying to manage the family life and balancing all that. Uh, with the summertime, we got beaches and kids and camps. And that's about it for me. <laughs> Not much else. Uh, I, again, I'm right there with you again with the classes, which has been fantastic. But um, also, uh, you can always find me pretty much every week. I, we're take, we took a week off this past week. But we are at the start of the summer annuals uh, for review. So I believe this week coming up, we are going to be reviewing uh, season five of The Flash over on DC Primetime with Ben. Um, we just wrapped up our review of Supergirl, which was one of the best seasons of anything I've seen in a really long time. So if you haven't checked that out, make sure to go back, listen to our review of the season. And then we will be getting into Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow with the following weeks after that. Then followed up by Doom Patrol res- review. And then I believe we are gearing up through the end of the summer with the prep of uh, another year of the show. So, but yeah, so you can always find me again, DC Primetime, also on the next level network.com. And um, until next time, we'll see everybody around the bend. Bye. 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 Aloha. Aloha.